Hello, hello. Welcome to episode four of the Eddie Conversation podcast. My name is Eddie V. Hill, and I am your host. I've had a lot of fun so far doing this doing this podcast, and, and this drop will mark one month of releases, which is exciting. I am looking forward to continuing to bring these to you and having fun just chatting with some cool people. I do like to keep these short and sweet. I did want to mention, though, that I do have these on these conversations on YouTube, the full videos if you do want to watch the conversation versus just listen. So you can always just find it there by searching the Eddie Conversation podcast. But without further ado, let's just jump into it. Episode four featuring Michelle Quay. <laughs> Jump in right into it. And you are Michelle Quay. Mm-hmm. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Thank you so much uh, for having me. Yeah. So I I I should I should have had your book right. Let me let me I can go grab it. You recently wrote a book. Yes. Perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I I was excited to talk to you because you have a very unique. I feel like a, a very unique life story that is different from what I have like I don't know just talking to different people kind of exciting and mm-hmm. hearing about what you've learned and, and things that you've you've witnessed through your your practice and and all that is, is, is exciting to me so yeah me too um, I'm excited so you uh describe yourself I've because I've watched your videos you have a you have a intro that you give if you want to yeah, so the intro I gave was, um, it's really about how we all take things for granted. Every day, every morning, you get up and you put on your shoes. You, the minute that you put on your shoes, you're about to step into this role that you play in, uh, in your life. So whether you're a father, mom, uh, accountant, anything that you name, is, it's a role that we go into that we play. Right. So, and, and we start to take things for granted, knowing that, you know, tomorrow is just going to be in another day or today is just going to be in another day. But little do we know that there are days where you get up and something changed and that something changed your life completely, whether it's something good or something that's very unfortunate or tragic. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so instead of taking things for granted, and this is, I'm kind of giving away ahead of time. (laughs) Instead of taking things for granted, I feel that we should be living our life as if today is our last day. Dang. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a, that's a, that's definitely something I have been observing more in in hearing because okay you know there's always when you when you look at the famous people like the famous actors are like oh i want to be that i want once once i'm that i'll be happy and then you hear from those people and they're still unhappy and they have to learn the lesson of of what you're saying is like just be live in the moment and enjoy the enjoy life and be grateful for what you have or, or whatever the whatever we'll, we can get more into that but right. it's definitely easier said than done I feel like which is what we'll talk more about because you um you are how do you introduce yourself to people do you introduce yourself as a as a 
I, what I'm, kind of co- yeah. I'm a competence and leadership coach. Okay. And so the population I'm working with primarily involved with negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. And that negative self-talk we all experience. And, and it's something that a lot of us feel it's there. It's, it's kind of like a, a finger that's poking on your rib mm-hmm. all the time. And you know it's there, but you can't quite get it out. It's like a little splint in your hand. You can't get it out, but you know it's there. And it's okay. bothering you and, and causing a lot of um, roadblocks or speed bumps for you. And, and all your life, you've been maybe successful in doing a lot of things. And you have great achievement financially, personally, but yet there's something in there that makes you doubt yourself, that makes you feel that maybe I'm not good enough for this. Maybe I don't have what it takes to become successful. And so those are the people I work with, that negative self-talk, that self-doubter, that warrior. And sometimes people um, would say it's imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. although there's a distinction between the negative self-talk versus imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is something that's more um, psychologically um, serious because it becomes a pattern. Your negative self-talk become a pattern that you don't realize that you're having these patterns. Um, imposter syndrome is something that, for example, you would say yes to the following. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are um, successful in doing something, but you don't feel that you deserve it. Right. So right. we could we could be in a very great position and we don't feel that we deserve it. Whereas negative self-talk, it's not as severe. It's something that you and I go through every single day. That minute that we start, right, like right now as we're talking, <laughs> there's something going on in our mind, in our head, that we're doing the self-talk. Whether it's good or bad, it's mm-hmm. a self-talk. And unfortunately, sometimes there's self-talk. It turns into something that's very negative, something that's very uh, destructive. And it, it causes our inability to move forward or taking action in life. So if I'm constantly doubting myself in all the ways that I perform in life, then it makes perfect sense why we're not taking things in action. And we continue to uncheck all the things that we have on our bucket list. Yes. Yeah, so I guess I guess one thing that I wanted wanted to talk about. I mean, we have plenty to talk about, but right. I wanted to talk about how. Okay, before we jump into your past, let's talk about who you are now and what how you feel. You've how have you? Because I'm assuming you live by the same practices that you that you're preaching as you try to live in the way that you're teaching. Mm-hmm. The negative self-talkers to live so how have you come into or how big of a part of your life is has that become for you or how do you how do you approach life right now so this person right now you see (laughs) it's not the same person you would see or know years ago Mm -hmm. i would not be sitting here and talking to you or speaking to you with confidence that's number one and and there's three things that i've learned in life and i call them my basic abcs okay so my A is my authenticity. How well do you know yourself? And, and once you get to know yourself, are you showing up in the world being you? And it's a really hard concept for a lot of people to grasp. Mm-hmm. How do you, in, in the world of where everybody is trying to be somebody, how do you really truly be yourself? Yeah. And honoring that authenticity. So that was number one, authenticity. 
The second thing that I've learned is I'm going to jump through the B because I'm, I'll come back to it. The, the third thing that I've learned was uh, connection. Connection is our ability to create that and build that relationship with others and also the relationship with ourselves. And it goes back to being authentic. If you can be authentic and speak what is on your mind, yeah. how do you show up and interact with other people without offending that person or feeling that you're being judged, right? So that connection is really important in, in our lives to get us to places. So the relationship that we build every single minute it is pushing us forward, whether it's mentally, spiritually, emotionally, mm -hmm. It's through that interconnectedness that we all have with each other, human to human. Yeah. I see you as a person. Mm -hmm. I see me in you, and I see you in me. And we're all the same. And that is connection to me. Now, in order to go from being authentic to connect with the rest of the world, what you need is the second piece, which is bravery. You okay. have to be brave. Mm -hmm. Right? That, that is a connector between showing up in the world, saying what is on your mind, and knowing that everything that you said is a true reflection of who you are. And that's how you build that connection. Mm -hmm. That's how you build that deep, meaningful connection with others. And when you do that, the whole universe is I call it a synchronicity. Mm -hmm. So when you show up in the world being who you are and you have that power of influencing and creating impact in others, then the whole universe would be synchronized and all the circumstances and the event would meet you where you are. And that is success to me. Yes. So when you say who you are right now is not who you were years ago, how define all right so now we can okay because the way i see it it feels like a step-by-step -step process you can't jump straight to bravery you have to first is, is it does it go in the order of the abcs where authenticity comes first before you can do anything else because i feel like i feel like i'm in a place where i'm pretty confident in who i am um but i i could imagine Another part of myself that, that gets instantly overwhelmed by all of the stuff that you just said, where it's like, wait, I have to know, first of all, wait, who am I? What do I want? Oh, wait, I have to be confident in that, and I have to be confident enough where I can talk to people and be myself in front of them, too? Like, that's a lot to ask. <laughs> um, so how did you, or, okay, how... What, what, like, what is the process of getting yeah, there? Uh, for, for you, how early did you consciously start thinking about your authenticity or did, was that a thing that just happened or how did you? Did it was a long journey yeah. because I, I've been all my life, just like everyone else, you know, I'm trying to be somebody and that somebody means that I go to school, I have a higher education and my parents was really um, big on education. And that was the whole reason why we moved to this country is so that our, you know, their kids, their children have more opportunity um, in education. And so they always push us to have better education, have a good job so that you can uh, provide for yourself. So all my life, I was living in a, a shoebox. Mm -hmm. 
Like this is the box that was given to me and this is how I'm going to shape myself in becoming. I, for a long time, I thought I was just going to be a pharmacist. That's all I'm going to do all my life. I, I'm just going to be a pharmacist. Great retirement plan, um, steady job, good hours, and eventually, hopefully, I would get married and find that significant others. Mm-hmm. And then slowly, I, I start to realize that I don't fall inside the box. And there's little pieces of hint that shows me mm-hmm. that this is not who you are. Hey, Michelle, it's kind of like a, a slow wake-up call. It's like someone just keeps slapping you with all the obstacles and challenges you have in your life. Yeah. And wake up, you know, that's not who you are. Wake up, you have a purpose. Wake up. But then, I, I, I don't, maybe it's human nature that we keep ignoring those signals that's being sent to us. And... And we don't feel, we, we see them as challenges. We see them as obstacles, but yet we don't do anything about it. Like, oh, it's just one of those bad days. Yeah. Oh, it's just one of those bad moments. I think it comes back to your being. Like the, it takes bravery to see it and to embrace it. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Or, or to yeah. be curious. To be curious about, and, and it goes back to that, you know, when, when did I start discovering that this is, I need to be authentic to myself? It was... After multiple failure, quote-unquote failure, I started to realize that this is not who I am. So who am I? Mm -hmm. And so I got really curious about who am I. And that was the time where I started to recognize there's something more than just this physical body. Right, right. And I guess, I guess, let's, I don't want to take too long before jumping into really I mean, giving giving our the audience here a sense of where you came from or or the struggles that you've overcome because I feel like that's very interesting because you you highlight it a lot and I mean your book has the an immigrant story of making it in America so you're from Taiwan I was you, born in Taiwan yeah you grew up yep. there through mm-hmm. you and then and then also while you were there before you even moved to the states you had you got you you were hit by a car. And it, had a lot of you had to overcome a lot through that too. So yeah, it uh, was a it was a um, growing up in in Taiwan. It was fun. I yeah. was still young. I was um, so when I got to this country, I was fifteen, and okay. and I didn't know a whole lot. So to me, you know, everyday life means that I go out and get to play and see my see my friends. Um, you know, being able to play with them, see them, that was what's important to me. Um, After the accident, I started to lose a lot of these things that's important to me. So being able to see my friends, that was something Mm -hmm. that just took it out. And you were, I think I saw you were 11 when when that happened. I was 11 when the accident happened. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, like I said, it was a very ordinary day, just like this one and I went to school came home um, I was waiting for my mom to pick me up and and then what happened was she was running late and I saw her coming from the opposite side of the street so of course my instinct was getting up and just kind of wanted to meet her on the other side so she doesn't have to make a u-turn to come around Mm -hmm. so I start crossing the street and when I was in the middle of the street I heard there's a lot of uh, motion that was going on. I, w- I was confused. I heard my friend yelling at me. And 
I just completely blacked out. The next thing I knew was waking up in a hospital bed, surrounded by all these, the smell. I remember the smell was so distinct. It, it, when I wrote the book, I, can, I could still smell the hospital smell. Mm. And it was always um, part of my memory. So every time when I was writing the book, specifically when I was writing about the accident, I had to take a lot of time. I actually stopped. I had a timeline for myself when this book would be published. And when I was writing it, at some point I had to stop because the minute I sit down and start typing, I was just crying. Mm -hmm. It was almost as if I was living, reliving that moment all over again. Yeah. Yeah. So how, as an 11 year old, what were, what was going, th okay, not to make you relive it again. <laughs> I'm sure you relive it plenty with. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, how, because I've never been through anything like that before. I'm sure, I mean, every, there's degrees of, of that in life, but um, what, I'm trying to establish the mindset. Like, what were you thinking at that time? You can't see your friends. You're in the hospital. Like, how long did it take to kind of accept this new... Like, it's almost like a new you. Like, mm -hmm. how? what was that? I don't like? think I ever accept that was, that was a change in my life. Mm -hmm. I still had that mindset of, I'm just like everybody. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be like everybody. And, and as an 11-year-old, I didn't feel that was something that's going to impact my life in a very big way. I thought it was just going to be one of those moments where, oh, you know, I'm sick and, and eventually I would get better. But that wasn't the case. So I, I felt I, I was never accepting the fact that I had, a, I had an accident and this accident is going to lead to something else that I couldn't have seen, and it's going to be so um, impactful in my life that's going to lead into something else. Mm -hmm. So in my head, I was just like in 11 years old. It was, oh, you know, I got hit by a car, and it was something, when you do that, and to an 11-year-old, it was something that you can be proud of. Okay. Right? It was something <laughs> very different from everybody else. So at 11... That's what I thought. I said, oh, I can go to school. I can brag about this. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, so I feel like, because you talk about um, the, the, I don't know, like the pain of, I don't know what kind of rehabilitation that took or how... I don't, I don't know, like, what, what the next stages of that were and how yeah. it affected your life. Like, I'm just kind of mm -hmm. curious on, so, on that. from the accident, when the time accident happened to before I came to America, yeah. I spent four years um, doing my recovery in a rehab center in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. um, there, the, the, it's a policy that during the, during the recovery period that I would be there by myself. Uh, my parents had only come and visit me on the weekend. 
they'll they'll be able to take me out to places or bring me home for to spend the weekend, kind of like a boarding school.、Mm-hmm. So I consider myself living in a boarding school between the age of eleven to fifteen, and during that time I had to go to class. They had school、um, at the rehab center, and there's physical therapy. So every morning at ten o'clock or ten, you know, eleven o'clock, I would go see my physical therapist, and we would go through all the training and exercise. And they have a swimming pool. That's where I learned how to swim.、Um, that's where I learned how to walk again.、Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just slowly recovering by myself during that time. And one of the one of the things that I wrote in the book was it was the. It was during the period where I started to become, you know, moving into my womanhood. Okay. And one of the incident,、um, as I recall in the book, it was the the day that I start to have my first period. And when I got my period, I was panicking.、Mm-hmm. My my mom already kind of prepped me a little bit of what to expect. And but then when it's very complete different thing when you actually experience sure, it, sure. right? Someone can tell you an experience, oh, how good that pumpkin pie is, but then until you taste it, you wouldn't know what it tastes like. So that was me,、um, recognizing my my period. Um um, there's a body change. So I call I call my parents that night, and I was kind of panicking. I say, Mom, you know, what do I do? I don't have any. Pads here. What do we do? And then so they came. My parents came the next day and brought me to a convenience store. So took care of all that.、Mm-hmm. And you know, I believe I was thirteen when that happened, and I was still working over that that body change、mm-hmm. as a as a woman, young woman. And then this physician, this doctor, came into、um, my my room. And he was doing his round, and he came up to my bed, and he's like, "Well, so I heard that you got your period." And I took it as he was kind of shaming me,、mm-hmm. while I was shaming myself、mm-hmm. for this change in my body. So I was laying in bed. And I wasn't. I wasn't listening to him. I wasn't. I was just trying to pretend I'm not there, but he knew I was awake, and I could oh, hear I him. Yeah. I was just pretending not to hear this, but that shame that I was carrying from that experience it it was so vivid that I had to write it in the book. Yeah. So was he? What was? What was he saying? I I don't <laughs> see. So here here's the thing about、um, yeah. judgment and all that、yeah. judgment that we see and feel every day, right? So it's not about what the person has said. It's about how they said it. Right. Yeah. So how he said it, I took it, I interpreted it as a shameful comment. How dare you having your period? Or how dare you look at you? Well, as if it's in your control, right? Right. <laughs> right. And it was not something that a thirteen-year-old had any control, or any woman had any control. Yeah. So I guess. All right. Well, I mean, the other thing that I thought maybe we're gonna go with it was it's also it was a form of projection where you were you were already ashamed about it. So maybe he would maybe in reality he's just stating a fact. Yeah. And, but but then you project it onto him. Then you're like like why is he bringing like what?、Mm-hmm. At the moment, I didn't see it that way. Yeah, yeah. Now now afterwards, you know, going through this journey. 
going through this journey of understanding that a lot of how we feel, what we listen to, are really our own perception, mm-hmm. our, our way of interpreting what life situation is, that determines how you're going to respond or react. So I took it as something that's shameful, but that was my perception. And, and what I tell people a lot nowadays is that your response is a complete reflection of your current level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that was how I responded with shaming myself sure. was the perfect response that I, that was the best version of me I could show up in that moment based on my level of consciousness at that time. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, and then I guess, I guess I, I don't know where to go with that. But <laughs> <laughs> we, we can both go that into, uh, you know, that fear of judgment. <laughs> right? Well, I, I was curious to talk about um, establishing Taiwan a little bit more too, because uh, I was able to read some of the book and it was mostly the, the early years of, of that. Okay, you, you mentioned you moved at 15 and that's... I don't know if that's when the rehabilitation you're like you were done you kind of graduated from the program or like they're like uh, you're good to go yeah and then you just moved like I don't know if it timed out or they pulled you out of there because they were ready like what what was that like it, it was kind of time times up because during that time my my parents were in the process of um, getting permission to come to United States so my grandparents had always been here and and here it, in the, here in the okay. state. So then uh, at that time, you know, my parents started to think about, they were in their 40s and they're really brave for doing this, like the complete ball move in, in their yeah. 40s. Um, so they were in the process of, of applying for the immigration already. And by the age of 15, the permission came through, the paperwork came through. And so it was kind of like halfway voluntary, pull me out of the rehab. So I wasn't entirely ready um, because I, I was still recovering from a couple of major surgery on my leg. Um, so I had a total of 13 surgeries altogether and there's scars all over my leg. And it, I was still recovering from the last um, major surgery on the hip. And then they had to go in there and take out all the pins um, to make sure that I'm pin free or screw free <laughs> yeah. to, to send me away. Uh, so before they discharged, they wanted to make sure that I, I am stabilized because I was still growing at that time. I was in my puberty. puberty. And so they gave me, my doctor gave me a pair of uh, metal brace to wear. And he said, here, go wear this because um, you don't want any, any permanent damage. And, and this will go, it, it's going to support you in your growth. I said, okay, great. And they look hideous. They were not something that I would recommend to anyone of that age to wear. Uh, they were hideous and they were chunky, heavy. They weigh about, you know, one, one to two pounds. And then I had to walk with crutches. I was walking with both um, in order to walk right. And so, so from the outside, I look almost like a person with polio. So when I go out, people would say, oh, you, you got polio. I said, no, I don't have polio. And I keep defending myself for, for that fact. So once we got the paperwork coming through, it, I was 15 and we moved here. Mm-hmm. We moved here to the state. And that was basically the, another life journey altogether. Right. Yeah. Because 
there's no I, I never spoke English before in my life never <laughs> mm -hmm. So the fact that we're conversing in English, that's, yeah. a, that's another accomplishment. Yes, congratulations, <laughs> Thank for you. sure. Okay, yeah, because that, that's, that's the interesting thing to me is, I don't know, I like when, I don't, okay, so <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where, how you decided to live your life, but, um, because people often see their own situations and it, it feels overcomable mm -hmm. and they have much less to overcome than other people. But for whatever reason, our mind likes to, you know, push us down the self, the self, what, what do you, the self negative, the, negative, the, negative self -talk. negative self talkers. <laughs> With self doubt. <laughs> yeah. So I just find it interesting. I'm very curious to hear more about uh, where, where your own self-doubt was coming in and, and how you overcame it or, mm -hmm. or that kind of stuff. Because I feel like there's plenty of opportunity there where you're you're in a foreign land, you don't speak the language, you're getting confused as someone with polio, and you're just like anybody else, you're still a growing person trying to figure out who you are exactly. and being comfortable with just your growing body. And there's just so much there that like, I don't know how one would cope with that, but mm -hmm. you somehow ha have. I, I, I think it was yeah. something, it, it's a long, long time yeah, process, yeah. right? So things just didn't happen overnight. I didn't wake up and then suddenly I realized, oh, I have this superpower of, of being who I am and just being in this world. Right. It was a slow transition of every moment of reject, every moment of failure, every time I break or fall, it was, a, it was an opportunity for me to start recognizing, oh, there's so much more than just this body. Mm -hmm. for, for me, the self-doubt really become really, really um, um, more evident when I start after my graduate school and when I start interacting more and more with people. Mm -hmm. I, I'm an introvert, believe it or not. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big introvert, so so I enjoy spending time alone, and I really enjoy doing things alone. So when I was going through school, I didn't have a large circle of friends. I didn't like going to the party, so I was very reserved mm -hmm. and very quiet, very shy, and completely different than this person. <laughs> no, I feel it. I, I was exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. But I'm, you probably believe that I'm an introvert, so I don't know. But you go, go on, go on. <laughs> so, um, slowly moving out. So my, my negative self-talk really was becoming more and more evident when I start talking to people, interacting with people. When I go into the job, um, when I apply for a position, I need to kind of really sell myself. And I didn't know how to do that. And to me, selling myself means that I am presentable, that I look proper, I dress in certain ways, speak in certain way, and I need to look certain ways. Mm -hmm. And my biggest struggle um, through that journey was some of the obstacles and challenges that we face in our life, we can, we can just shuffle it somewhere and, and we, can, we can just kind of ignore it. We don't, we don't need to look at it and kind of just... Avoid it, avoid it, and yeah. think that it doesn't exist. But I can't shuffle this body anywhere. 
when I look in the mirror, that's all I could see. Mm-hmm. It was like putting it, an obstacle right here in front of you. Deal with it. And it was a constant, everyday reminder of you look ugly. You look ugly. Mm-hmm. Look at your legs. It's all crooked. Your hip is bulging. Let's try and hide it. Let's try and cover it so that no one would know. So that self-doubt was shaming my body for a long time. Mm-hmm. Wearing baggy clothes. And luckily, there was a period of baggy clothes that was in trend. <laughs> <laughs> so you still look good. <laughs> yeah, I still look trendy. <laughs> I was being in the yeah, tr- trendy place. Yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, but but I was trying to cover up my shame. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was my biggest self-doubt. And it's not something that I can put away and pretend that it's not there. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's the most... Uh, okay, people... And, and that's the weird thing about life, right? It's like we don't choose where we were born what family we were born into, what body we're given, like our personalities even, we're just kind of like given this thing. And how do you change it? (laughs) Yeah, what can you change? There's like certain things that are changeable, like you could rewire your brain in certain ways to think differently, which Mm -hmm. which is what you do, is you try to help people with with that aspect. But as far as bodies go, it's like, you can't you can't just move your brain to a different body here. So that that's yeah. a, that's um, it's a process for sure. And and so I slowly to realize that this is the body I need to accept. Mm-hmm. And I think we touched a little bit about what was what I wasn't able to accept, which is that physical um, body of mine. And what really changed for me was also the physical body of mine. I started to accept mm-hmm. this is the body I'm going to be, to be stuck with for the rest of my life, and what do I want to do about it? And I think acceptance is a great um, stepping stone to your next level in life, whatever that looks like, right? So in order to move on to in your life, there's something maybe that's not working right for you. Maybe it, you don't feel that it's 100% correct, it's imperfect, but by accepting it, you recognize this is something that I can work with. And once you have that mindset, the ball just get rolling. No, I, I could, def- I guess I guess to talk to, about me a little bit here. <laughs> um, I feel like uh, that was definitely something that turned a new, a new chapter for me earlier in my 20s um, was I used to, be the quiet guy that was weird and awkward and kind of like not very like this just that weird energy <laughs> of just social interactions and stuff right and I, I realized at some point that instead of trying to I don't know like I, I, w- I would try with like my friends at the time they like, go to the club and try to be like a normal person and like, go do things that other people do because they seem it seems to be like a normal thing uh, and it just wasn't feeling right at all. And like, I hate it here. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that extroverted guy that just like, I don't know. I don't, it wasn't vibing. Yeah. 
but there was a, a there was a point when I was like, instead of trying to not be weird, why don't I just blend in? No. <laughs> <laughs> why don't I just embrace the awkwardness and because that's what I do as a filmmaker is mm-hmm. like I, I layer I layer that specific awkward humor or whatever like just leaning into it versus fighting it versus hiding the fact that you're it's hard to hide who you are so just be who you are but Mm -hmm. it it definitely took a long time for me to to get there i actually have a friend who laughed at the most awkward moment Uh and and her philosophy is that you know there are so many awkward moments in our life right so instead of being feeling awkward about it why not just laugh about it? Yeah. So, so she will laugh at the, at the saddest moment or circumstances in our life, and I will laugh with her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the power of having that influence from another person because, you know, it goes back to that connectivity, right? It, we're all influencing each other, and how we show up will completely change the other person's attitude and, and, and their outlook. So why not all laugh about it? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I enjoy the awkward moments. Like, I, I, my favorite moments are, are the accidental, like the accidental humor where... I don't know, like, when somebody flubs their words and says the wrong thing on accident, some people get really self-conscious about, like, I didn't mean to say that, and, yeah. like, I'm, I feel stupid for messing, mess. I'm like, no, that was, like, super funny. It's perfect. <laughs> that you just, <laughs> like, I, you know, I... I I'm I a very blunt person, so, um, I, after, after we came to this country, I grew up in New York, so we first went mm. to New York, I went to school in New York, and in New York, people are very, um, blunt, Okay. I never been. I've never been to New York. <laughs> it's very blunt. So basically, we don't we don't waste our time in in doing things. And the, if I have something to say, I would say it. And that was the uh, that was the attitude that I carried from New York to here. Mm-hmm. So when I first got here, um, a lot of my colleagues would tell me, Michelle, you can't say that. That's not politically correct. Mm-hmm. Don't say that. Mm-hmm. I said, why not? That's what's on my mind. <laughs> so I'm going <laughs> to say it like how I see it. Yeah. And, and that's how I started to become. Just being that person, speaking what's on my mind. And sometimes I offend people. But guess what? I didn't come here to be liked. You, you like me? I came here. here to make an impact. To be you. <laughs> to be me. To make an impact. Yeah. No, I, 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 I feel that. I often enjoy being the person that goes... Like, I don't know. When people, when everybody's into a certain thing, like, for whatever reason, I get enjoyment with giving the opposite opinion or, like, actually, I don't I don't like it. I'm sorry. Or, or whatever. But... Um, you, you're but, being brave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's... It's another excuse to separate oneself from the pack, too. Like, a being that I do have like the quieter personality, I have to have other tactics to stand out where it's like, all right, my opinions help me stand out versus, I don't know. It's just, I, I think what you touched was really, it was perfect because, you know, going to the club, what everybody <laughs> does, right? All, all people in their twenties and thirties, yeah, that's what people yeah. enjoy doing. But yet there are a few of us who find that, we're not interested in, in going to those clubs. We're not interested in being a big crowd. We'd rather do something else. And that is actually individuality. That is our uniqueness. And there are so many things that I, I like to do that no one else does. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you're fine with doing um, them on your own if you need to, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's who I am. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to make you like me. I'm not trying to please you to be somebody. I'm just being me. Right. Yes. Yeah, high five to that. <laughs> to be you. Yay! <laughs> Um, I wanted to, I forget, I was checking to see the book here to see on the digital version, there was a quote you opened up the book with, I don't know, is it in here? Yeah. Where's the quote? Is it this one? There was one that I really liked that shook me. <laughs> there, there's an introduction quote. Let me just double check here. Sorry for, I'll edit this out. All right. Um, oh yeah, that is a quote, okay. Do you wanna read it or should I, I don't, can, I'm not the best read reader. It. You're not a reader? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I read, but I don't, reading out loud, all right. So this is the introduction quote you put in your book. And I wanted to talk about it a little bit and why it's here, but I'll read it. Um, if you're going to try, go all the way. Otherwise, don't even start. This could mean losing girlfriends, wives, relatives, maybe even your mind. It could mean not eating for three or four days. It could mean freezing on a park bench. It could mean jail. It could mean derision. I don't know what that word means. It could mean mockery, isolation. Isolation is the gift. All the others are a test of your endurance, of how much you really want to do it. And you'll do it despite rejection and the worst odds. And it, would be and it will be better than anything else you can imagine. If you're going to try, go all the way. There is no other feeling like that. You will be alone with the gods and the nights will flame with fire. You will ride life straight to perfect laughter. It's the only good fight there is. Charles Bukowski. Factotum. So, uh, I'm, I'm a little cheery. <laughs> so, obviously it has great meaning for you. For me, when I read that, it's scary. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, that's kind of describing what life is and what's, what the purpose of life is. So how do you, what do you get when you, why is it here? It, it's a... It's a very lonely journey. Mm. The self-discovery is a very lonely journey. You go through a period where you don't find yourself accepted by others, or you believe that you're not accepted by others, and you really stand out. The, the way that you think may be very different, the way that you look may be very different, and the way that you feel it feels very alone and it's almost as if you're in in this vast battlefield and there you are you're fighting this fight just by yourself and it scared the shit out of me it was unpleasant scary lonely at times and sometimes i wake up and i wish that I don't have to fight anymore. That I would get up and this would be all over. 
what would be all over? This life. Mm. This life would be all over, so I don't have to keep mm. showing up and fighting. Because every day, it feels like a fight. But there's so much beauty on the other side of that fight that I I didn't see. And you have to be brave to stick to it and be curious about what is on the other side. I, I, I put that quote in there because it really touches my heart to get up every day knowing that you might be alone and you're going to lose a lot of people who doesn't resonate with me, with you, who may not share the same beliefs or same ideas with you, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's okay. Yeah, isolation is a gift. I mean, that's because, I mean, that's what I get from it, is I think about, I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously my thoughts go to myself, <laughs> yeah, and, I, yeah. and I'm trying to, because uh, when I initially read it, I think about my my current like dreams of, of 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 being a filmmaker, being a director, and moving to LA in the first place, and how you know you have to leave your family, you have to like struggle to make ends meet with with making rent, and sometimes the the goals like you just you just have to say goodbye to a lot of things in order to put the time and effort into who you want to be and who. You, and other stuff just falls to the wayside, and it kind of feels bad. And it's like, I don't know, it just... There, there's a big piece in, in there. It's about letting go. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes there, there's a saying that goes, by letting go, we're also letting in. So who are you letting in? Right, myself. <laughs> Yourself and all oh, those right. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those people who's going to see you for who you are. Right. And those that we had let go, they didn't just disappear. It's still part of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By letting go, they becomes part of our history. And so instead of looking at my scars and shaming myself, I started to look at them as, you know what? I have scars because I have history. And the bird is chipping. Where's the bird? I think the bird is uh, outside. <laughs> oh. oh, there it is. All right. The bird likes what we were talking about here. Yeah, yeah. it's feeling it. Um, great. So, yeah, that's, that's a great quote. It's a great quote. It's a good, good pick. <laughs> um, so I guess just, just to jump right into talking more about, I, I, I want to talk about, book itself mm-hmm. and because um, I, I know you talk about it within the book about why you wrote it what what it was like getting started mm-hmm. um, but I am curious to hear more about why why was it important to you because you, you had an idea to just write a book and you didn't know what it was going to be about so yeah so I always knew there's a book inside yeah. of me. 
before even before this book. How did you know? <laughs> it was that you know it, you know it's one of those things that you just know, okay. just like you know there's the universe and there's the higher power, right? There people call God, people say Buddha, whatever it is, it's that higher thing outside of you that you have no control of, but you know. <laughs> and it was that knowing. And I knew that there's a book inside of me that needs to come out, but I never knew like what kind of book is it, and and how am I going to talk about it, and where how do I even approach it? What do I want to call it? I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. All that all that I had no idea. I just know there's a book. Right. There's a book somewhere. <laughs> just like for you, maybe there's a film somewhere. Yeah, there yeah. is a film yeah, somewhere. There's a story. Yes. So I started. Um, the book came about. After I came back from my my biggest life Ooh. trip, Ooh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> in my biggest trip that I have in my life, it came came afterwards. When I came home after that trip, I wanted to do something. I mm. wanted to. Mm. I feel there's a story inside of me. Yeah, you're probably coming off of an, an insane high of of that experience and you just wanted to keep it keep it going right that I, was... I operate by inspiration mm-hmm. so there's a moment where I get up and I am spontaneous inspired by something then I gotta do it yeah and I came home I was coming home with inspiration and I was looking for ways to bring that inspiration to life so a couple of things happened I went into a nonprofit I devoted myself to a nonprofit organization because mm-hmm. I wanted to serve and help others mm-hmm. who who may be at a disadvantage than, than I am. And the other thing that I start looking into is I need to tell that story about where I was and maybe somewhere along that line, that story would inspire someone else who may be going through the same same experience as I am. And what was the nonprofit you were? Um, so I'm a, I'm the I'm actually this year I step into the secretary of the United Nations Association. Uh, we have a chapter here in Pasadena, so I belong to the chap uh, Pasadena chapter. Okay. Um, I'm very actively involved with them. We're mm-hmm. a grassroots organization of the United Nations, so we do we further the mission of UDUN. So we do a lot of community awareness and outreach um, to the community to bring about change in this world. Okay. Um, and I can go on and talk more about sure, sure, sure. <laughs> So, now basically we are focusing on the 17 sustainable development goals. Um, every, this, this 17 sustainable development goals has been established in 2015, and the deadline is at 2035. Mm. So we're actually getting very close to it. And the, those 17 goals include uh, gender equality, ending poverty, um, equity, uh, climate change, all these global issues that we, we see that's creating an impact in all of us in mm-hmm. our lives. And, and by creating awareness and actually getting the community to work together in, towards achieving those goals, hopefully by 2035 mm-hmm. we would have a complete different outlook in our world so is it like they have these 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 smaller community um how, how many 
Is, are they subgroups? Or, yeah. Are they all over LA, and you guys all work together to spread the spread the? Yeah. So so we're the grassroots for UN. Right. Right. And right. and there's other nonprofit organization that we collaborate and okay. partner with, mm-hmm. that who focus on these one of these seventeen sustainable development goals. So we recently partnered up with the Alhambra. There's a council on in the Alhambra. And we were talking about the climate change. So during the pandemic, our our um, the air pollution or the quality of air improved dramatically because people were at home. Yeah. And it's something that we keep promoting every single time, every single day, that these climate change is real. It's impactful, and we need to do something about it collectively, not just individually. Right? You and I, we're recycling the the uh, the waste bottle. It's not good enough. We need to bring everybody together in this world so that we can actually make a bigger impact. And that would involve industries. That would involve government agencies. Um, everybody needs to on the, to be on the same page. And that's a lot of work. Yeah. So not one organization can do it all. So the more that we collab and, and partner with each other, the better we have a, a chance. Yeah. I think I just saw an article uh, saying California was phasing out gas car sales yeah. by like th- Yesterday, uh, Gover- Governor Newsom, I think he, he made an announcement about, about the, uh, the um, gas electric car. That was um, I didn't really look, look into it, yeah. but it came out yesterday. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like exactly one of those things where government is getting help and push some of those those things. Mm-hmm. So. You look around all these um, changes, all these fire environmental issues that's impacting us, and believe it or not, you know these en- environmental impacts will actually causes our our impact on our emotional and mental status, mm-hmm. right? So everything is influence each other and there's actually six different influencers that in our life so there's social emotional environmental spiritual um there's also uh social did i mention social i didn't mention social <laughs> i'm missing one of them <laughs> all right yeah yeah so all of these will impact our overall well-being mm-hmm. so when we take when we talk about mental or emotional wellness we can't just neglect these environmental and physical aspects of it. And for me, emotional and mental had a lot to do with my physical influence. It was right. yeah, yeah. coming from that physical influence that was causing me having these mental and emotional issues that I had to go through. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to see if I want to get sidetracked with more of that or... Um, Cause I'm curious. I don't know. I'm 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 very curious on what what we can do individually to help with with you know the, like the global yeah, like the global it, issue. It, it feels because I don't know. I feel like I talk about this all the time. Where it's the world is a big place. There's a lot going on, mm-hmm. and. Everybody, like especially during quarantine, we're just stuck at home trying to just do our best with not spreading the virus that we're like, what else can we be doing because I got time or like whatever people are thinking. They just want to do something to help. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes I feel like it's hard to pinpoint besides like social media petitions and stuff. Like I don't really know. 
There, what, there are so many, so many things that we can do individually. Yeah, so a couple of things, right? Yeah. Uh, starting from small, we can recycle, which Californians have been really, really great in doing. Pasadena is a, is a green city, so they promoted, I believe it was 2010, the city become a green city. Uh, meaning that there's a lot of recycle and there's a lot of trees that they planted. The whole city is being a mm. green city. And they, they work on that. So individually, we can recycle. There's also other things that we can do individually that, in, that you may not realize that can create global impact. Yeah, yeah, tell which, me. Which include raising our own level of consciousness. So when mm. I'm going out, can I be conscious about bringing my own silverware? That's something that we can all do. Mm. Can I be conscious about not using plastic? And actually, you have a perfect example, bringing your own bottle <laughs> with you. That's something that you act out of consciousness. And during the pandemic, I thought it was a great opportunity for us not to be angry with each other, whether or not to wear a mask. But behind that, there's consciousness that we can awaken to to make you realize that by wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, what does it say about who you are? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And so those who wear a mask, their consciousness is telling them that I am going to wear a mask not because of myself. I want to protect the well-being of you. Yeah, that's... um. No, I, 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 I've definitely seen that. And I feel like it's interesting that it's difficult to convince people to, to think that way. So but, uh, I think we operate on the level of consciousness, right? So yeah, a lot yeah. of us haven't, haven't really reached up to the point where so everyone travels at a different speed. Like you and I maybe travel a little more advanced. Well, I, I, would, I would hope so. I'm, yeah, I'm hoping. We, we're, we're traveling a little <laughs> more advanced compared to other people. They're not. It's, it's not that they're lo- lo- we have completely lost hope in them. They are traveling at a different pace and they need to take their time in focusing on what's most important to them. They're showing up their best self for who they are right now, right? So if they're arguing with you about something, maybe a recycled bottle, maybe they're arguing with you, but they are showing up the, being the best version they could be. That's who they are yeah. this moment. Right, but our moment, this moment, doesn't project into the future. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't translate to who we, who we can be in the future. So there's always evolution that comes into play in every human being, and I believe that we're human being. We're not human doing. <laughs> and so as a human being, we're constantly evolving. And what is being evolved? It's that consciousness. It's that thinking beyond this physical world. Yeah, no, I, I, one thing I was thinking about while we are talking about the recycling and, and stuff is, is in the film industry, it was, we're, we were doing, because um, plastic bottles on set are like the worst thing, like water for the crew, like people drink half, half of it, of it and they leave it around, it. like it's just all over the place, you waste so much. Um, so uh, before a COVID, Sets were getting really good about being green. That's why I bought my bottle. They're like, we're not going to have water bottles on set. We're only having the jug, so bring your own bottle. I was like, all right, I'll buy it, finally. Um, but now, because of COVID, because of the, 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 the safety aspect of the spread, now it's almost reverting back to like, 
now instead of having like the buffet style lunches and stuff, now they're mm -hmm. doing individually wrapped things, and now there's even more garbage than there was before. So I'm like, yep. it's hard to fight multiple battles at once, but it's kind of, but still, the, the conscientiousness is still there, but it's weird how priorities change depending on. Uh, I, I, I believe we need to fight the battle all at the same time, <laughs> right? Because right. one influences another. So the fact that we are here with this pandemic, that means something that we didn't do right, right? The, the fact that it spread. Many things, right? Sure. <laughs> Many things that we didn't do it right. So, so by doing, by not neglecting what we're doing now, look at the impact that we're gonna leave 10 years from now with all these plastic one-time disposable things. Again, it brings back to that being, just being conscious, you know what? I'm gonna bring my bottle. You can give me, you can give me a plastic bottle, but I'm going to hold on to that plastic bottle so that I can reuse it again when I go somewhere else. Right. Or turn it into um, like a water. So my, my mom actually keep these plastic bottle and then she just use them as uh, water in her plants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's so many ways that you can recycle in the sense that something was given to you. What do you want to do about it? And it's about asking that one individual, what do you want to do about it? And that person may give you a very different answer based on mm -hmm. the journey or the place where they are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I'm still very, um, I'm a very optimistic person. Okay. So I still have a lot of hope for humanity. <laughs> and I believe right. that more and more people are coming together. And talking about topics like this, this is another thing mm -hmm. that we can do individually, is we can strike a conversation like this and just be open without judgment. You know, you're free to share your opinion and, and your percep perception with me. But at the same time, I would like to use my skills as a coach mm -hmm. <laughs> to get you to see what is possible for us. Yeah, and no, I, I feel like in person I mean that's that's one of the reasons why I, I started this podcast in the first place was because um, I don't know I, I, I enjoy the, the self-enlightenment of because conversation really I don't know it did, like you said it does it does great things and I feel like there's too much going on on social media where you don't really like it's too processed and you're not really having real conversation with people so I do, in the optimistic view, I do feel like people are more willing to have those conversations if it were in person, but it's weird right now because we're not, we're advised to not be in person as, as much as like, you know, stay away, like, there's not as much going on, so, um, again, it's a difficult, I, I, so difficult battle. It, to, to go oh. back to that, to that point, I think, it has to do with connection. So what's lacking, you know, American culture is really big on connections. Mm -hmm. Like we want that relationship. We like that yeah, intimate yeah. in-person meetings and, and being alone, it's very uncomfortable. And a lot of people don't know how to spend time alone. Mm -hmm. They don't mm -hmm. know what to do with themselves. Like you and I were introverts, so we know exactly what to oh, do. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. But for people, for a lot of people, it's a struggle. They don't know what to do with themselves. So they're constantly looking for something else to do. And social media, you know, it's not, I always encourage people to take a stand back and, and look at a different way 
in social media. Social media is something. It's a great invention to connect with people.、Mm-hmm. Now, what it turned into is it. Depends on our perception or our relationship to the social media. You may perceive it as something that's very bad, something that's harmful, something that's、uh, very、uh, prejudiced, and something that you should avoid. What if you look at social media as something that you connect with people, understand others, and show your respects for others, and that you can actually create a lot of awareness through that social media by posting. Your your post or writing something with intention,、mm-hmm. something that's more intentional rather than just blur it out. Here's my opinion. Let it out in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More intentional. Yeah, again, your conscientious approach of、uh, just being aware of how it works and using it more as a tool than and or whatever you know, just being aware of what you're doing. I know. I yeah. I, I. It's a relationship to a lot of different things.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what is your relationship to social media? Yeah. See, I mean, I just watched the、uh, the social dilemma on Netflix. Netflix. Did, did you check it out? I saw the trail. I, I it was something that I wanted to look into because it's, it's a great doc. Yeah.、Uh, it's great, as in it's very scary. <laughs> It, it's tracking. I definitely know the tracking part. It's、yeah. tracking your behavior yeah, 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 yeah. and the way that you're uh, uh, engaging certain posts. And this is something that I share all the time on social media: is that if you want to have more positivity in your life, like especially when you feel that there's、mm-hmm. a lot of drama, negativity in your life, then you want to look at the way that you behave. Right. So your your circumstances, your、mm-hmm. situation will change. Be t- depending on what you put out, the energy that you put out in the world. So, if you want to more positive, engage more positive posts, follow more positive people who can influence you in a positive way, and that will change your behavior, and that will change the feed that you see on your social media. And so、yeah. you use it to your advantage rather than your disadvantage. Seeing oh that person is posting something very opinionated, you know I don't appreciate these political、uh, posts. Well, that's because the way that you were behaving, it attracts those、mm-hmm. posts to you. So in a way, Facebook is actually very clever in the way that it's tracking our behavior based on like this whole law of attraction and law of being concept. Yeah, yeah no, I mean that, that's definitely that's almost just like the surface level of the documentary too, like the levels it goes.、Mm-hmm. Like I guess one one fun fact that I really dug from it was. Twitter did a study on itself or something and discovered that fake news travels six times faster than the real news that goes that goes on the site. So then, if you're thinking about humanity in general, it's like, oh my gosh, how is the truth ever gonna rise to the top when there's six times six times more of the false truth out there circulating than the real truth? Like it's just. Stuff like that is like、mm-hmm. how do you how do you combat that? Like the algorithm is just trying to make the most money for the advertisers and trying to keep you on. So there there's something、uh, about reading these、uh, fake news though. Like the reading the fake news it, it excites us, well, right? You, it's something you know, that's if you know it's fake, some people don't think it's you know yeah, that's, that's the issue.、Yeah. And, and there's a difference between judgment versus discernment. Discernment is that ability to to decide you know what is、mm-hmm. what is. Logical that makes sense that are facts, 
versus a judgment has a lot to do with the fear. Is it is it feeding into the fear? Is it right. post about criticizing the other person in the way? And the word that we use is so powerful. It's it, yeah. it's in on individual level, you know, that negative self talk. It's the way that we speak to each other. The word that we use has so much power, mm-hmm. and and you don't just blur it out. Right. Right. <laughs> Think about there's a there's yeah. a mind mind filter where you receive the information you process it is it makes sense is it true is it real and then you reflect on you respond rather than react to what you heard mm-hmm. that's all part of effective communication <laughs> yes yes so speaking of effective communication your book <laughs> um, okay so you got back from your big trip you jumped into volunteering at the nonprofit, and you've got this book dream. All right, let's get back into that. Yeah. So I have this big book dream, and I started to look into, well, I guess what I can talk about and mm-hmm. what I know really well, the subject of me. Right. I've been me for the last, when I wrote the book, I was... 40, 45. Mm-hmm. I was 45. So my big transformational journey happened at when I was 40, 41. Um, I went to hide Machu Picchu. Mm, spoilers, <laughs> we'll, I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk a little yeah, more. Yeah, we're good. yeah. Um, so the, the only topic and subject that I know really well and I can talk all day long is about me. Mm-hmm. And that me was someone who's very ordinary. I, I don't consider myself being someone who's, oh, you know, could be could be making this to TV or making it to the to the national television one day. I consider myself someone who's very just ordinary, um, everyday people. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing special about me. And so when I when I wrote the book, I kind of felt, well, do I even want to write it? Because I don't feel that I have a story. And that self-talk start to kick in, right? Because then do you really want to write it? Who's going to read it? So, but then I finally kind of got over it. And I remember writing this in my, in my intro, intro section. I said, you know what? My purpose is not to, to make it to the best Amazon um, top author. My, my purpose was not putting it out there so that I can become someone who's famous. My purpose of writing this book was to get my story out and whoever needs to read it, they will read it. And whoever can walk away with something in the book, they will walk away with what is meaningful for them. That's why I wrote a book. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like, because you mentioned it, you mentioned it a little bit there too, and I, I could, uh, I guess, highlight it a little bit was, all right, so you didn't initially think there was a story there, and um, you're trying to figure out what kind of message you want to get out into the world, uh, and shucks, I had a train of thought there, I lost it, <laughs> but um I guess, okay, sorry, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll come so, back to me. So, so then I decided to approach it from an immigrant perspective mm-hmm. because I was an immigrant. And coming to this country, and I feel life, you're constantly moving into places. 
you're an immigrant to a new place that you've never been before. Mm. And that new, whether it's a country, it's a place of emotional uh, foreign place that you've never been to, you never tap into, it's scary. And that experience was the same mm -hmm. when I physically came to this country, came to the state as an immigrant, and here I am. It, it was just not, it, it, was, it wasn't just overcoming a physical challenge. It was overcoming a complete change of life. As an immigrant, I know a lot of that mm -hmm. injustice, right? I experience a lot of that, that discrimination that now we can call it out as discrimination. But back then, it was, you knew it. But it was just, it was just the way it was in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I remember my thought now. So I was going to say this: this book, in a way, was almost an exercise in realizing that your story was worth telling too. There, there like a, some sort of switch in there where you're like, "Oh my gosh, there is something here, and I do matter." Like that's a whole. Because I mean, I I understand that feeling because I spent a lot of time. <laughs> On projects that I'm like, like who's gonna who's gonna care to watch it? Who like what what like who am I to whatever? Like all that kind of st stuff kind of creeps in too. So I I dig that a lot where it's like it it forces you to lean into who you are, what makes you you, and that stuff is awesome to me. Like I love I love. Okay, I'm a big fan of commitment and um, following through on a dream because a lot of people want to write a book but like like you said you kind of sometimes you come up with decisions instantaneously like you're you're very um what did you say you said like almost spontaneous like, yeah, spontaneous following so, the inspiration yeah because sometimes people when they when they're hyped up from an awesome trip and they're like i gotta write a book now like the follow-through is the hard part like yeah. so I'm, I'm curious to hear about how long the process was and how if there was like ups and downs and lulls and mm -hmm. through that but regardless the fact that it's here and it's done and you follow through like that like that i i kind of saw my deal. book i saw my book as a letter of completion mm -hmm. it was a long letter of completion what i completed was my previous life mm. and sometimes i call this my previous mm. life because it documented a life journey where I was trying to fit into a, to something that I wasn't and I am coming to a completion of that now I am stepping into a new journey and so this morning I actually speaking of spontaneous uh, inspiration sure. I, I thought about writing working on a second book oh dang <laughs> dang that's so, cool yeah so I thought about mm, I would like to title it Laughing Out Loud. <laughs> oh, you've already got a title. <laughs> yeah, I got a title already. It's called Laughing Out Loud. How are you with with making those kind of commitments? Like how, like, okay, for me, I never commit to anything unless I know. Like once I commit, like it's a done deal and it's, it's like it has to happen. Like how mm -hmm. are, you, are you, are you like that too? Or are you able to be like, is this something I want to do? Like, how, what, what do you, how when, do you approach it? When it comes to commitment, there's two approaches. Mm -hmm. There's one that is fear-based. I'm going to commit, 
but I'm afraid of what that commitment is going to turn out, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And the other commitment, the other aspect of the commitment has to do with your inspiration. Uh-huh. It, when they, when your commitment comes from an inspiration that you had that popped into you out of nowhere, that tends to be the commitment that you will that's sustainable and that you will stick to it no matter what. Uh-huh. And there's three things that you're gonna need for a commitment. Determination, dedication, and discipline. Three D's. Three D's. This is my three D rules. <laughs> <laughs> so I have the ABC rules and I have the three uh, D rules. I like it. <laughs> so determination. Once you decide on something, mm-hmm. you're determined. You're focused. You're you want to do it. That's that's your goal. Right? Your determination is typically your goal. Then you have to dedicate yourself in doing it. What is your timeline to set for to do this? So I set a timeline for this book to be um, four months. So I started in April, and I want the book to be out by August. I wrote it on my calendar. Yeah, four months. You were going to write it and publish it. Publish it in four months. In four months. Dang. I wrote it on my calendar, the exact publishing date. Mm-hmm. Um, it was August 20, 26 or 29 okay. of last year. And... I wrote it on my calendar, and here, here I am. Every single day, I'm going to dedicate myself. So dedication is a process of how you get, get to your goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly is the discipline. Discipline, it's not how hard you push yourself. Discipline is showing up. It's showing up and knowing that you can modify, you can change things. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work, go to another route. Be more um, innovative, be able to change, to adapt. That is discipline. Discipline is not you keep pushing forward. Like most people say, oh, you're so disciplined. No, throughout the process, you got to change. You got to adapt to what is working. And that is discipline. So discipline. And, And there are days where I couldn't write. You know, we had touched this earlier that there are days where I'm so emotionally mm-hmm. drained mm-hmm. that I can't put down any words. And at the time, I was working with a coach, um, and he had helped me in terms of go, going over that emotional aspects of that block. And I would tell him, I said, you know, listen, I haven't been able to write down anything at all this week because, like, every time I sit down, I start crying. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes that discipline is allowing yourself to, to have that permission of, you know what, this week I'm not going to do any, anything related to the book. Right. And by having that permission, it actually help you to get motivated later on. Like, oh, yeah, now I'm in a good place. Now I can write. Yeah, no, I, I okay, because sometimes overworking is detrimental to the overall big picture process. So I, I mean, I, I, I always think about like my high school days when people would brag about their overnight study. They can study study all night to mm-hmm. prep for the quiz. All nighters. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not productive. You're not gonna retain anything you stayed up whatever. Like I, I knew I wasn't capable of it, so I would just sleep. Yeah. And just kinda go I, at I'm it. I'm not an all nighter either. <laughs> yeah. So so it feels like the same thing where it's like a little bit of a not like overwhelm yeah, in a way overwhelmed. So understanding where you need to be to yeah. For the long haul is, uh, yeah. So yeah, you, pushing pushing hard actually doesn't get you to places. Work, 
smarter, not harder? Yes, the... yes. Pushing hard actually is not, it's actually counterintuitive and it's actually not as productive. If you were to just allow yourself and just have a break and, and I think mm -hmm. this is a area where be, I become so Americanized because, mm. you know, Asian is all about work, 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 mm. work, work, and work hard, right? Work hard, enjoy later on and, and half of the people can enjoy later on because they either <laughs> they expire before they actually <laughs> <laughs> enjoy. That's a nice way of saying it. Yeah, they expire before they can actually enjoy. So I've started to have this idea of, you know what, you got to live in the moment. And sometimes living in the moment means what I'm going to drop everything right now. And it's Friday. I'm going to pour myself a glass of wine. I'm going to mm -hmm. enjoy myself. Mm -hmm. And when I come back to do my work, I'll be more productive. Yeah. For me, it's ice cream. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I do the ice cream. Sugar. Sugar. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Four months. That's very cool. How... Uh, how... Any, I don't know, how was that? Like, how? I'm curious about like the revision process and how how you chose to, to tell the story. Because, mm -hmm. like I said, I'm only I've only gone through through the beginning through the beginning bit like for 20 pages or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, is it just told linearly, or do you have a do you jump around? Or it, what's, it's how told did you... linearly. Okay. And I, I, after I wrote the book, because English is not my first language, mm -hmm. and I have a lot of grammatical error, so I decided to work with, a, with an editor. Mm -hmm. So I hired an editor to look at my book and structurally and also just making sure that uh, there's no grammatical error, although I found a couple of misspelling in there, <laughs> two or three. <laughs> it was like my perfectionism jumping to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, man. I could have taken, <laughs> taken that out. So the book is out there, and then I'm going to have to uh, do a revision on that <laughs> to make it perfect. Yeah. So I was working with an editor, and she is located in San Francisco. And so we were communicating via email. And she would look at the look at certain paragraph and send it back to me to look at. And like, a couple of times, I felt like she was yelling at me. Mm, mm. over email and you know when people put a lot of exclamation points yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know they will capitalize um so a couple of things that she had pointed out is that you know i wasn't giving detail and there was a reason i think psychologically or, or mentally i wasn't i left out a lot of details because um regard to the car accident itself i don't remember and she kept asking me, like, Michelle, you got to give more details about how that accident happened and what happened to you and what was it like and that feeling. And, and that was the time where I had to completely stop because it was, I don't remember. And the, the stuff that I remember, it was all too painful. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't describe in detail of exactly where the car was coming from, how did it hit me, exactly where that intersection was sure. and that that much i had left out and she was screaming at me in email. <laughs> well i'm sure I'm, I, I i'm curious to see how it and how you ended up doing it but I, I i there's my my creative brain is like well there's other ways of just i mean there's ways of describing the the lack of remembering there's mm -hmm. there's a way of narratively weaving that in and putting us in your perspective so yeah. i'm curious to see that that's what i <laughs> yeah, yeah i did you, it a filmmaker way <laughs> yeah you leaned into your your yeah mm -hmm. yeah 
And, and then there's other other things that she was screaming at me was that um, there's a lot of like uh, it's structured as a linear linear um, mm -hmm. storytelling. Mm -hmm. So I go from when I was born in the in a military veteran village, and all the way till you know up until the point where I started my own company. Um, so it, it was told in such a way that it's a timeline mm -hmm. of my life. I thought for a second there you were going to say it goes up into the point when you start writing the book and then <laughs> a, a little bit I, I didn't I didn't really go into the process of describing yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's in my second book yeah <laughs> that would be my second book in my second book I also wanted to you know talk about really more detail about that journey to Machu Picchu mm -hmm. there's so much elements I can mm. bring and it's perfect for a llama and you know laughing out loud perfect <laughs> My creative mind starts thinking. <laughs> yeah, so let, yeah, let's let's jump into that. I I, cause you said before the book, you tell us yeah Machu Picchu. I've never been. It's Peru. Peru. Um, yeah. In Cusco. Okay. And so it's a Spanish-speaking country. Mm -hmm. I don't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. um, I decided so. So it was during towards the end of my my personal. Um, self-discovery journey mm -hmm. where I started to recognize and knowing that this is not the life I want to live I want to do something different and that something different requires me to accept my physical appearance and that requires me to really look into what can I do with this body and I was curious about challenging myself physically physically yeah so I'm physically challenged I want to challenge that physical challenge mm -hmm. and so I decided I never step in a foot into a gym never been there passed by it all the time mm. I see people running on the treadmill all the time but I couldn't be part of that I felt like an outsider so I decided you know okay so I'm gonna go to the gym and see what I can do there maybe they have equipment maybe there's something I can do I used to swim mm -hmm. so I still know how to swim so the only thing that I use in the gym is swimming pool so I want to try something different so I went in and I decided to work with a personal trainer and I said, listen, I need you to start working with me. I don't know what you can do for me, but yeah, you know, let's figure it out. Yeah. yeah, let's figure it out. And, and I'm, I'm open to whatever that you have to suggest. So we start working and at that time, my friends were talking about, they were coming from Peru, coming back from Peru mm. and they were talking about how beautiful it is out in the mountain and they all enjoy hiking. It was during the time where everybody is getting their backpack on and going to hike. So I wanted to be part of that conversation. So I told my personal trainer, I said, listen, mm. my friends all went to uh, hiking. I want to go hike. He's like, oh, great. Let's go hike. Is it here? Like Mount Wilson? Um, no. At first, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought about Kil Kilimanjaro. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so I said, no, I want to go to Machu Picchu. And he's at where? Machu Picchu. Oh, we need to a lot of work on that. Yeah, <laughs> I how, said, how, how did you pick Machu Picchu? So in 2010, I went to China with my family. Mm -hmm. um, I was born in Taiwan, but I went to China because my parents originally came from China. Mm -hmm. um, so they went to China with the uh, military back in the Chinese civilization world. Um, and then, so I went up to visit Great, Great Wall. And I didn't just go up to the Great Wall where there's elevator, escalator mm -hmm. that take you up. I actually went to a, a 
a place where it's very ruined. It's not. It's not um, uh, fixed yet. So so a lot of it has to do with your own physical um, body to to travel up there to see the Great Wall. So I did that, and that was like a little hill. Little mm-hmm. tiny steps, you know, that got me there, and that was part one of the seven wonder of the world, or the seven oh, ancient okay. wonder of the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Great Wall was checked off, and then I was going to. I came home. I was doing a research on what are other seven wonders of the world, and I found Machu Picchu was one, Egypt, and then there's uh, uh, the in Mexico there's um. Chichen Itza, I, I think that's what it's called. There's an ancient te- temple yeah. in Mexico. And then there's also um, Angkor Wat, which is in Cambodia. So I saw Machu Picchu, and my friend all came back from Machu Picchu. Okay. So I decided, you know what? That feels right for me to check off next. Yeah, so, so that's how I decided that I wanted to go to uh, Machu Picchu, which is a, a little sidetrack here. Um, the following year, after Machu Picchu, I went to Cambodia. I went to uh, okay. Angkor Wat. Okay. Yeah, so nice. I got three checked off nice. out of seven. Yeah. So I got a couple more to go. So that's an official bucket list item is to see yes. all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very, very mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I said I wanted to go to Machu Picchu. He said, great. You need to start working on that. So every single day, I would show up to the gym every single day. And this is where that 3D rule comes in play, determination, mm-hmm. dedication, and discipline. Um, so every day I would show up, and, and he, would, he and I would work together. And that year, in 2016, I booked myself a ticket, flew myself along by myself to, to Machu Picchu. The, the, I, I started with the baby, baby, baby steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my baby step was just going up to the Mount Wilson here. Okay, yes, yeah, so you did. You worked your way up. You yeah. Didn't, you didn't, yeah. I didn't just go jump, <laughs> jump the plane. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, I yeah. figured, I yeah. figured as much, yeah. So, so the first time I went hike, never hiked before, the first time I went hike, I hiked by myself, and I didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. And that, there's something about me that I just spontaneously wake up to, and I would just go do it without telling anyone. So mm-hmm. my parents, you know, they didn't know that I was going to go out that day, uh, wake up really early in the morning, and just go hike in the mountain here. And what scared me, actually, the most, when I come, came back, was I was looking down to the to the cliff, mm-hmm. and then I realized, holy macaroni, I could drop there and no one would know about it. Yeah, <laughs> like where is she? Yeah, yeah, no one would know about it, and that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and then so I came home and following that, you know, I kind of every time I go out to hike or planning to hike, I would tell. I would tell someone in my family, hey, I'm going to hike this weekend. Yeah, you post it on Twitter or something. Yeah, I post it. I take a snapshot, a selfie, and post it on my Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So so now, so now you, you got on the plane. You're you're about to tackle Machu Picchu. For those that aren't familiar, like I did, I did a quick Google search on Machu Picchu to to confirm like the hike and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like. It's typically I don't I don't know if you, you did the full the full venture yeah um, it's like multiple day multiple nights four days eight thousand feet elevation 
So the highest um, point in Machu Picchu is 14,000 feet. 14,000. Yeah, so it's a four-day hike. Mm -hmm. um, the, the trail, there's several trails that lead to the ruin of Machu Picchu, um, the actual site. Um, so there's different different trail that you can travel. The, the trail that I picked was called Inca Trail. Okay. So a lot of people, they, they know that it's Inca Trail. And Inca Trail start from kilometer 82. That's the location, that's the name of the location where the trail has begun. So we started at kilometer 82 and you travel every day and you hike about eight to eight hours typically, eight to 10 hours typically to get to the next campsite. Mm -hmm. And there is multiple campsite on, on the, in the mountain mm -hmm. and that allows you know, traveler to take a rest and, and follow up the next yeah, day. Yeah. So the highest point was on the second day, it's called the Dead Women's Pass. And once you get over that pass, then you start to descend. Um, that that elevation was fourteen thousand feet, the highest one. Yeah. So so there's a little story before I yeah, yeah. start the trail here because I wanted to acclimate myself because so Cusco has elevation of eight thousand eight thousand feet, so it's a higher altitude, and most people would go there just to acclimate to that high altitude. Um, high altitude, you run into that high altitude syndrome where yeah. you start having shortness of breath and you, you tend, your body tends to swollen up and you have a lot of GI um, gastrointestinal um, effects or side effects. And so I decided I was gonna acclimate myself into that environment. So I booked the ticket and, and went there five days before the actual start of the tri trip. Went to Cusco, walked around, really enjoyed the town. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. place to be, and I'm, I'm sure you would enjoy it. I I'm, I'm sure. It I'm, I, you know, <laughs> I, there's plenty of places I got to go. Uh -huh. it, it's a beautiful place, yeah. and I highly recommend it. Um, so it's a, not a really big town, so you can travel from one end to another within a day. Mm -hmm. So I, that five day, I basically just walk around by myself, going to different places, um, and then I love their ceviche. <laughs> Ceviche, uh -huh. and and they're great. They're so delicious. Mm. And I, I ate a couple of uh, you know those um, delegates, um, the guinea pig, alpaca. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the local very, cuisine. Yes, very. <laughs> they're great, and and of course I brought it. Ended up having the uh, food poisoning. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Shucks. two days before my actual hike, I was checked into the hospital to the to the infirmary there. And they were giving me antibiotic and IV fluid. So on the day of the trail, I was just recovering from that. Of course. <laughs> Body was swollen. <laughs> I had a lot of difficulty in breathing. So all my picture afterwards, now I went back and looked, I was all swollen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a, okay, yeah. As far as a narrative goes, it sounds very much like a, it's definitely something you'd want your, your hero to have to go through to overcome their their big goals. You wanna, you don't wanna send them into their final their final battle with like hundred percent strength. It's like you gotta send them in with mm -hmm. some adversity. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, it's not. It, as cool. It's boring. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's boring. Exactly. Life is boring without those challenges. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, my body was all swollen, and when I went there, I kind of prepared myself because I know I'm different. Physically, I'm different. So I spoke to my sister. She's like, well, you better take care of yourself and you might die up there and no one would know. I said, yeah, okay, I got it. And I 
bought myself helicopter insurance just in case I drop dead and they need to helicopter me out. So I did that. And I also hired a tour guide to walk with me one-on-one just in case I need something. So we start walking. And that first day, we had porters. So along the trail, there's porters who carry all these equipments for us. And they're the one who's setting up the campsite and cooking for us. Um, And then there's also donkeys along the trail that carries uh, supplies. Um, the donkey can only reach to certain points. After the first day, they, they start um, going backwards. So the donkey can pass the first day. So I was following the, the, the whole tools. So we have about eight to 10 people um, traveling from all over the world. Most of them came from Australia that I was able to meet with them and we were on the same, same group. So I was traveling with a group, yeah. um, this stranger that I've never met in my life, um, that was not something very comfortable to, mm-hmm. you know, to, 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 be, to be focusing on for an introvert. But I wasn't, my mind was just so busy doing, focusing on the hike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the first day we, we started walking and it was all um, upward trend. It was all climbing. Mm-hmm. I was walking very slow. My crutches on the side, it was plastic. So... Mm-hmm. One of my, the tour leader I, I had worked with, um, he wrapped the crutches with some um, band-aid just mm-hmm. so that it's not it's rubbing not against rubbing, my, yeah. my, my arm. So I was walking and it was every, every step was a struggle because I was still trying to catch up my breath. And luckily I didn't have to use the oxygen. Um, most people, if they're you're so shortness of breath, you might need to end mm-hmm. up using the oxygen. I didn't get to that point, but I was just, having to make multiple stop and catching my breath. Yeah. And every step, it was a push-up. So instead of just walking like people, yeah, yeah. I every step, it was a push-up. So I had to use two crutches, just as if oh, gotcha. you know, someone is using uh, hiking poles. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I was using two crutches because it was long distance, and it, I was going to end up using a lot of pressure on my back. So to avoid any injury, I decided to use both crutches that it would help me to balance out my body. Mm-hmm. So I was using both crutches, and a lot of places, um, it's not paved road, right. so it's rocks. Yeah. And it's really hard to land those crutches on the rocks. They slide, they, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. yeah. And I was using a lot of upper body weights. I just keep going. That night, when we got to our first campsite after dinner, the tool leader sat me down, and he goes, Michelle, we need to talk. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, this is, from here on, this is the point of no return. Like right now, you can change your decision, you can go back, and I will have someone escort you back. But after this, you either make it, or you don't. And when you don't, I don't have anyone to carry you. And if you look at, if you think about how you travel today, and he was comparing me to the donkey. He said, you were traveling slower than the donkey. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? And I sat there. I remember I was listening to this. And I got really emotional. And I said, I know I'm slow, but I'm going to continue. I'm going to go. Yeah, you're going to commit, yeah. I'm going to go. I wasn't... And I was hoping that he wouldn't say that to me. I was hoping that it was 
yeah, Michelle, you got this. Don't worry, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. It was almost like you go to a place and suddenly someone just dropped a fact to you, and you really have to look at it like how you want to choose. And it was an option of going back mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah. How do you want to choose? Mm-hmm. And so it was without a doubt. It was without a doubt that I chose to go forward. Yeah. My yeah. my internal message was, um, oh please, 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 don't tell me to to go back. Please, don't tell me to go back. And I didn't come this far to yeah. for you to come and and tell me to go back. And I know I know how challenging it was, and I can't imagine what the following three days was going to be like. I was I all I remember was my arm was already sore. And I was mentally worrying about how am I gonna go through the next three days. Mm-hmm. That's all on my mind. There's no negative self talk. It was more about oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How am I gonna go through? And and then I think what worked really well for me that day was it's not some it my past life. It's not something that I wanted to go back to. And there is no going back anymore. There is no going back. It's not an option. So I don't have any choice. <laughs> yeah. No, it feels like that. It's, it feels right to, to be asked that question at the end of day one. Like It feels necessary so that way you know that you are making that decision to not go back. Like it feels like if that didn't happen and they're just like, let's go. Then it's just, again, <laughs> yeah, again. again, it's that hero's journey, right? <laughs> yeah, it's... It, it it plays it it feels like it works really well and it feels like for them it, it's something that they wouldn't feel right not saying either it's like you and know. they say that to all the people who are traveling slow so not just to yeah, me yeah, yeah yeah so anyone anyone within the group who's traveling super slow um, on that first day it's kind of their their way of evaluating no, sure. whether or not this is going to be an easy trip for that person yeah. because ultimately you're paying them to to kind of oversee your safety to to get to Machu Picchu mm-hmm. so they wanted to make sure their clients their customers are, are really happy and that they can enjoy this yeah. trip so it's their responsibility to kind of you know ask the person who is the slowest how do you how do you want to go about doing this yeah. so then at the end of that conversation um, he suggested that Michelle in order for you to catch up with the rest of the group because you're traveling slower mm-hmm. what i would recommend is you you get up early in the morning and just get a head start yeah yeah so typically um they start the trail people start the trail at seven o'clock um from the campsite and so what i end up doing was i start hiking five o'clock in the morning mm. before two before hours the, yeah. two hours ahead um and i just barely made it to the to the next campsite with them Mm-hmm. Um, so that just kind of show you how slow I was. Yeah, yeah. So two hours ahead of everybody else, and it was all dark. And there's something about darkness. There's beauty behind darkness. Yeah. And that beauty is that you may not see where you're going mm-hmm. when you're in the dark. Getting metaphorical here. But when you don't see things in the dark, you have nothing to be afraid of because you don't know what is ahead of you. In order to be afraid, you have to know mm-hmm. that you're afraid. But if you don't know what to be afraid of, 
what do you have to be afraid? Okay, I like that. I like that positive flip because a negative self-talker would say it's like the fear of the unknown would be the the negative flip of it. Like, yeah, but the, I, the, I, I, the, the unknown is not to be feared. Yeah. The yeah. unknown is not to be feared. What is fearful is what we anticipate behind mm -hmm. that unknown, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Unknown itself is just unknown. Right, right. How we, what we anticipate with that unknown, that is the story that we tell ourselves. And that is what you're afraid of. It's that anticipation. Mm -hmm. You're afraid of mm -hmm. that anticipation. You're not afraid of that unknown. Right, right. Yeah. It's very yeah. philosophical. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, it's not the actual thing. It's the yeah. thing, yeah, the thoughts of the thing that, yeah. <laughs> Put elo eloquently by me there. But all right, so you you were doing your two hours, mm -hmm. your two-hour head start. You're getting your days done. Um, it it usually takes uh, eight to ten, ten hours. So, so ten hours for me all together yeah, yeah. for that phase of hike. Yeah. Um, so I did that for the following three days. It's a total of four days trail. So every day I would get up and, and travel. And every, um, like I said, um, up until the second day, it's all upward trend. It's all climbing. It's all mm -hmm. uh, pushing up. And the way that some of the stairs, um, I'm really short. My mm -hmm. legs are shorter. And some of the stairs are really tall. They're the same length of my mm -hmm. leg. So I can't just raise my leg, feet and, and just climb over it. I actually have to put my crutches down on the, on the steps, get down to my hands and knees, climb up the stairs, and then just repeat that through the mm -hmm. whole process. Mm -hmm. So some days, you know, I could easily climb for the next two, three hours just doing that mm -hmm. until I get to the, to the next kind of like a resting point. Yeah, because I believe you have, I, I think I, I checked out a YouTube video where you were doing that climb, and I was like, dang. That, that was the last day. Um, so the last day was at the uh, Sun Gate. It's the very last 50 steps, and they call the, the Peruvian call these uh, 50 steps, the last 50 steps as oh my god steps, OMG steps. The OMG steps. Yeah, because when you look up, you're like, yeah. oh my god. Oh, okay, okay. 50, <laughs> like 50 really, giant steps. It's 50 very steep giant steps, and they're very narrow. They're about, you know, really about mm. this, this much. Okay. So it's hard to land your feet, let alone my crutches. Yeah. So there's no place to really land my crutches securely. Um, I couldn't do the what I used to do, mm -hmm. putting my crutch to the next one and, and just climb up and pick up my crutch and follow that. Um, so I was looking at the Oh My God steps and I was thinking, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how did I get here? Oh, holy macaroni. And how do I mm, gonna yeah, finish yeah. this last 50 steps? Because we were on a mission of looking looking at the sun sunlight at the mm. sun gate when it comes out mm. and it was already like nine o'clock so i already missed the sun sunrise um that people are dying mm -hmm. and enthusiastic to see about so all i could focus on okay last 50 steps i'm just gonna get over it get to the machu picchu site and be done with it check it off so i look at my tour leader i said here i gave him my two crutches i said here take these and go up there and meet me so I gave him my two crutches, gave him my backpack, and he went up there to meet me. And then I got down to my knees and hand, and I shot crawl. 
And I remember I was joking, and this is the part where you laugh about your awkward moment. <laughs> and halfway at the stairs, I was so hungry. I was so hungry, and they were like, "Michelle, you want to do this again?" I said, "Sure, I will do it again tomorrow." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so some. And and then I asked. I said, "You can can I get two hamburger today, please?" <laughs> and it was um four days with just eating Peruvian traditional food. Yeah. Um. So I was really really missing that taste of hamburger,、mm-hmm. that juicy hamburger.、Mm-hmm. So by the time I finished that trip, I rewarded myself with a fat, juicy hamburger. Nice, nice. <laughs> That sounds poetic. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, right. I mean, it's it's really important for people to realize that you know there are so many things that you accomplish in life, but take a moment to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we don't celebrate ourselves enough. We keep pushing and going to the next thing and looking for the next success. But you know, how often do we stop and say, "Well, you know what? I did something amazing. Let's celebrate here." Yeah. Yeah, celebrating. It's tough. It's. I mean, it's not. Yeah. So I don't know. It's hard to okay. For instance, for me, I'm I'm trying to go through that right now too. Is I just finished a 20 month process on making my first feature film,、mm-hmm. and being that there's no, I feel like the the natural celebration to making a movie is you have like a premiere, you have all your friends there, you have like the Q and A where you talk about it.、Um, but now because of like COVID, there's that's not happening. So I'm、mm-hmm. just like, I how do I get that out of my system and celebrate? Because it's like. For me, it's huge, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I did the thing that nobody said I could do. Whatever, like I don't even know if I could pull it off, or like whatever the thing was.、But、you you should have a virtual party. This is <laughs> you should invite all your friends and Vir- and, and yeah, just come it's just, and. It's just not as good. It's just not as good. I, like I said, I mean, like what we're talking about being the in-person communication,、mm-hmm. feeling the energy of the room of them. Like you know, that's that's the whole thing when you're when you're virtual. Like I'm watching the screen, we, we and, and, I, and I know other people are there. Like it's、yeah. just like, are there are people like you don't even know what's going on? Yeah.、Um, but yeah, celebration. Yeah, I don't know.、Uh, you need to celebrate. I I'm <laughs> celebrating you. Yes. Yeah, Congratulations. No, no, I've, I've definitely taken taken time to reflect and do my own my own celebration. Like I'm trying. Like I'm like I think I'm celebrating. <laughs> like I have those moments where I'm trying. Yeah.、Um, but I feel like there's still something missing there. But we'll. I'll find it, but there's、mm-hmm. time.、Um, but okay, your celebration of Machu Picchu is what we're talking about.、Mm-hmm. All right, so you, okay, so you did it. How does how does it is it like a? Okay, my question is, it's four days to get, and you get up those those steps, the OMG steps.、Mm-hmm. How do you get how do you get back from that? Like, <laughs> you have to. You don't. Is there like a short way back? Yeah, there's、work? a short way back. So there's a, actually a short way up. There's a short way back.、Okay. So there's two options that you can actually visit Machu Picchu. Oh, that's what you said. This the、yeah. Inca Trail was. So Inca Trail is one, and then the other way, the easier route. A lot of elderly people that、mm-hmm. I know, they went the easier route, which is taking the train. So they took the train.、Um, it it takes you to to a small town right down by Machu Picchu, and you go onto a bus, and the bus will take you up to the ruined site and、okay. Machu Picchu actual okay, site. Okay, that makes sense. So that's the easier route. I went with the hard harder yeah, yeah, route, yeah, so Inca Trail. 
And I was I was traveling I was traveling to prove to myself. Yeah. That was the idea uh, or the motivation that I wanted to do is to prove to myself that I'm pay- capable of doing this. So coming home, coming down, we did the bus, we did mm-hmm. the did the train. So coming down was easier. Um, after I get my hamburger. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. So well, yeah, I, I just pause. Let's pause there really quick. I still want to focus on how it felt when you reached the top. Like what? What? Well, yeah, I was crying. I was crying. It was really emotional. So the highest point was the second day. Mm-hmm. And the second day, I was just completely physically drained yeah. because I used all that strength to get up there. And when I was at the last 100, 100 feet, I kept asking my, my tour guys, how much longer? How much longer? Because that's how much my hand was hurting. He said, 200 feet, 200 feet. And every moment he, t- he tell me it's like 200 feet. He's been telling me 200 feet for the longest time. <laughs> and so finally, I was at the last 100 feet. And I could see people on the top. And they were all gathered together, taking picture. And the minute I got closer to them, I start breaking down in tears. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling out, I said, I made it. And then I was just crying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I said, we made it. I said, we made it because I couldn't have done it without all the people who were on that trail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every time, yeah. every time they passed me, they gave me a thumbs up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every time they turned, they were clapping. They stopped. I couldn't have done it without them. Yeah, because you said initially there was a little bit of the introvertedness where you're like, "Who are these people?" But I'm sure by the end they're like family. <laughs> they, they are. They yeah. are, and and I still in close contact with them. Mm-hmm. And some of them got married, and some of them had kids, you know. Yeah. So I still follow him. This is, this is one thing about Facebook that I really enjoy. Social media, I really enjoy. I follow them and through their life journeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Their family. That's awesome. It gets me right here. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I, I buy it 100%. Like, I, like back in college, uh, like, I don't like... Okay, like the running club. So I enjoyed the camaraderie aspect of like, yeah, the cheering people. Like people, it, it does so much for people to know that you're rooting for each other. And I'm just like, oh. Because, yeah, that, that, that keeps people, that gives people energy. It gets them the burst. So it's nice that you had that and that mm-hmm. they were rooting for you. And, and so it turns out that con- connection is really one of my biggest um, value in life mm-hmm. because I don't believe that we can function as individual in this world we need each other mm-hmm. we need each other we need to be there to support each other and even in the darkest moment or the most dramatic and negative things or that, that people another person is bringing into your life you're learning something very valuable from that person 
like all these negativity, all these drama people are creating in your life, it's teaching you something about you, about who you are. And it goes back to that authenticity of discovering who you are because of that interaction. So all these uh, rejects from my relationship, it was lessons that I need to learn about who I am. It's never about them. It's mm -hmm. not about them mm -hmm. not liking me or n not wanting to be with me. It's about me, what I like, and who I am. It's never about the other person. Yeah, yeah, never. that's, yeah, that's, uh, I, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, that's the thing that, that we all, I don't, I don't know how long it, Getting that through people's heads and, and realizing that, that that's that's life is it's all our perception of interpretation and how we accept things and how we approach things and everything's in our control and we can do what we want to do and we can set goals and accomplish them. Like it's I mean that's that's I mean we can we can jump into that next too. I wanted to hear more about how you utilize your experiences to motivate people to kind of get past their own hurdles and their own barriers that they put in front of them because I know plenty of negative self-talkers that I try to try to you know as, as friends you you often like to listen to people and mm -hmm. and they ask for advice and stuff and you try to try to just be there to help them feel better and it's, it, it, it is hard to watch people negative self-talk and be like, wait, why are you seeing it in that way? Like, there's lots of potential here. If you just flip the way you saw it, you could, um, yeah, instead of, instead of feeling, you know, like having to, having to take a, like a little detour on your dream to like go take a part-time job to help pay off some stuff to just get that, to get that weight off of you. It's, it's, a it's, big, like, it's, it's a big picture. You want to shake them and say, hey, wake up and listen, there's another way of living your life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. It's yeah. like, no, this is a good thing. You're doing great. This is a great step toward the big goal. Like, yeah. Don't, like, but, but people don't see it because timing is a big thing in our lives. Mm -hmm. So we don't start doing something or we don't begin to change until we reach to a point where timing is perfect. This is the right time mm -hmm. to change. Mm -hmm. um, you reach to a point, so for me, I reach to a point where I don't want to live this life like this anymore. I don't want to wake up in the morning and feeling sorry for myself. Right. Right. So the timing was perfect for me to look into changing, challenging my physical challenge. And same thing with another person. There's a motive, there's a motivation that you want to change. And it's not just about creating a change. It's what do you believe is going to happen if you make that change? Mm -hmm. What could that change bring you? And it goes to mm -hmm. the reason why. Mm -hmm. And I think Simon Sinek had a perfect topic. He had a TED talk on, okay. on why. Everybody has a why. And, and in order to live a successful and meaningful life, you really have to ask yourself that question, why? It all starts with the why. Like, why are we here? Mm -hmm. Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Why are you passionate about filmmaking? Why am I passionate about speaking or coaching? 
right? right. There's a reason why. It, the why will, will bring out curiosity. It will light up our curiosity in wanting to know what can this bring for me or for others. And, and that trip to Machu Picchu was a starting point or a process where I began to ask the question, why? Right? Why am I here? What is mm -hmm. my purpose? Mm -hmm. it, this is the body I'm stuck with. Yeah, why am I yeah, here? Yeah. And then my answer when I came home was that I, I am here to serve. I, I believe we're all here to serve. Like the way that you are serving is through filmmaking. The way that I am serving is by sharing my story. And we all are here to serve. How do you want to serve? That is something that you work through on your journey with the hero that's inside of you. And with all these challenges, they're helping you, that hero inside, to wake up to your purpose. That is why. Right, right. I mean, there, I, there's so many things no, in there. No, no, for sure. That's that's the biggest thing that I that I observe myself too in others is often when people are having issues figuring out, or like there there there's these frustrations in their life. It usually stems from the base fact of they don't they don't know what they want. Therefore, there's all this kind of unhappiness that swirls out from that. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know. Uh, yeah, it was going to be one of my questions, actually. I wrote it down here. Um, as far as, I guess the question is, what do people need that they don't know they need? Or, like, what are what are some common things that you're noticing that people just aren't doing that if they were, like, I, I don't know. It's Okay, yeah, I'll leave it at that. You probably know where people, to take it. People, what, what I believe people need is people need to start become vulnerable. Hmm. Mm. Vulnerability, yeah. That's so tough. Vulnerability is very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's probably the most uncomfortable things for a lot of people because being vulnerable means that you really just have to show up being you mm -hmm. and you have to tell people about who you are. And, and there's no mask. Yeah. There's no, you can't put up a mask. You can't put up this wall. And people really have to get to know you, and that's uncomfortable. How, what kind of, what's the, what is the best way of approaching vulnerability? Like, how, how does one present, like, how does that, because, I mean, I, 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 I feel like I know how to be vulnerable. <laughs> well, because, yeah, I mean, it, it makes it difficult because once you're critiqued, mm -hmm. It's, it's not now like I, I, I had the courage to present myself and I got shot down and it just hurts even more than getting shot down with a wall up. So it's like, I, I believe in order to get to vulnerability, it's a, you have to learn how to be free of judgments, mm -hmm. judgment, not just against another person or what that person has to say, but judgment about what you're going to say or share with that person. A lot of time we have this wall. We and I know I know this for a fact because I used to create these walls. Mm -hmm. I have this wall in front of me with people because I don't want them to know that I was dealing with a lot of emotional mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and and that I was shaming myself. I was looking down on myself. Um, I was judging myself for being who I was. And when you have judgment, the minute that you step into a conversation, you're going to create or say things that to to protect yourself from being harmed. And our experience, our life experience, we look back. Everything is from the experience. How do we know hurt? Because we have been hurt before, and so in order to prevent ourselves from being hurt again, we can't tell people how we really feel.、Mm-hmm. We don't want to share that feelings because we know by putting it out on the table, I I I can control all my own feeling, but I can't control how you gonna handle my feeling,、mm-hmm. right? right? So that is a judgment itself. Because I'm judging you for I don't believe that he can really handle my feelings, <laughs> right? That's a judgment in itself. So by freeing our judgment and just let go, just here's my feeling. I don't have control of how you're going to react or respond to it, but that's okay because here I am. I'm an open book. Yeah. I want you to see them. I think yeah. No, you. I like I like what you say there because I feel like. It, it does. People stress a lot about work. They worry about the reactions a lot. People worry about stuff that's not in their control a lot in general. So that's usually when people ask me sometimes on like on my approaches on stuff. I'm like, well, I kind of try to boil it down to what what decisions I can make to affect the situation or what's in my control on how I react. Because, like, let's say, like, producing a film is is a st- stressful work, and there's a lot of things you got to balance and coordinate.、Mm-hmm. But if you boil it down, it's like, all right, well, I'm just, you know, communicating with individuals on a place to meet, and here's a script, or you know, like, whatever. It's like a, a step-by-step process. I don't know if you just, yeah, I don't know. Boiling and, and it down. And you're not worrying to, about to be liked. Right. And and you're not worrying about pleasing someone else. Right, so so if I'm presenting my feeling and the other person doesn't take it well, that's、mm-hmm. just he doesn't take it well. That's all. That's all there is. He doesn't. He doesn't take it well. He doesn't resonate with it. He's not my people.、Mm-hmm. And there's billions of other people who might be able to resonate with the message that you're sharing or the feelings that you have. You're just going through your life,、mm-hmm. experiencing your life, and meeting that person who can resonate with that message. And that's all there is to it, without any story and period. <laughs> mm-hmm.、Yeah. We need to start putting using period rather than you know comma, more story <laughs> Just, to come or like, to be continue. <laughs> it's like the simplicity of like that's that as simple as that. Like that's that's the situation. Yep. yep. No anticipation whatsoever. So jumping from that, I did want to talk a little bit about the title of your book. Mm-hmm. Because you do, you do have some. I know you have opinions on what normal means, and I I had to argue with my editor about that. Okay. <laughs> so initially, I wanted to call. Actually, this is really ironic because I feel laughing out loud is still. It, it was the the original idea of I was gonna put that as the title, laughing out loud, because I felt、oh, that was who、out. I am. Okay, so now you're saving that for part. I'm、two. saving that for part two. <laughs> Um, so we end up landing on perfectly normal because I in in the, throughout the book I use the normal a lot. I use the word normal,、mm-hmm. and then this is another part that my editor was yelling at me. She goes, Michelle, 
if you want people to buy your book off the shelf, you can use that word because normal is very um, uh, controversial. Mm-hmm. Because what's normal for you is not normal for me, mm-hmm. so you can't just throw out throw it out like that, and your reader will not appreciate it. And then I, that night, I was having a struggle, and I actually had to coach myself around it. I said, "Well, yeah, maybe she's right. You know, I shouldn't be using normal, and that can be very offensive." But then I was thinking, you know, offensive. Yeah, yeah, because normal, like, oh, you're not normal. That's oh, right, pretty right, offensive, yeah. right? <laughs> well, or However, even, even sometimes you are normal. It's like, wait. I thought I was different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, so it's very controversial. And so I thought, well, like all my life, I wanted to be normal. And I kind of went into a little bit of how yeah. I define normal in the mm-hmm. book. And the way I see normal is it's, there's a belief and there's a really um, descriptive way of how we look, act, and behave in this world. It's kind of like a package that was designed for you, and you have to fit in the, into that package in order to consider to be acceptable, be socially acceptable, be be considered as normal mm-hmm. in the society. Yeah, blending in. Yeah. But if you don't, then you're abnormal. So for me, for my longest life, longest time in my life, I want to be normal. I want to fit into that package. Mm-hmm. And perfect is just another way of saying being normal. If we can be normal, if I can be normal, that would be perfect. Is that perfect? Right. So perfectly normal. Wow. Yeah. Can we be perfectly normal? So I landed on that title, perfectly normal, because I feel that's who I was trying to be. Mm-hmm. I try to live up to that reputation of being normal or being perfect. Yeah, because I guess I guess what what you're saying too, because I I've included it in plenty of scripts as well, is the idea of um, there's a lot of issues that stem from wanting what you are not right that's kind of the issue with normal is like I am not I don't feel normal everybody seems to have everything figured out. Why did they, like everybody around me know what's going on, but I don't? There's something wrong with me. I want to be normal like them. And if you think, I mean, everybody's in, in the same position where they don't know what they're doing and they're feeling they're having the same self doubts as, as you. Um, yeah, so it feels like normal, kind of, is just like a bad word almost. Like it's like like in, in term, like it's used. It's. We, we use it in a very, um, has a negative connotation to it. Mm-hmm. But, but one thing that um, I, I think I talked about it at the end of the book is that every word that you use matters. Mm-hmm. And all the interpretation of how you give meaning to that word also matters. So normal is really just normal. It, there's nothing <laughs> special about normal. Right, right. right? There's no, nothing abnormal about being abnormal or being unique. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of values in being unique, but we'll go into that. Um, so normal is just a word. Normal is just a word. Okay. Um, it's just a word that we, how we defined it. Mm-hmm. it. It's what makes a difference, right? So how I defined it yeah. was that beauty that we all see on the film, on, on, the, on the magazine, that beautiful 
picture of who I want to be, that beautiful house or beautiful life that we can have. That that was normal. But then, if you look at it from the perspective of you know what, it is quite normal for you and I to feel that we don't belong on this earth because we're unique. Right, because right, right. you and I share the same feeling about well, there's time where I feel abnormal because I feel like I'm in, I, I really enjoy being myself, and and that is not normal, and that's perfectly normal. Yeah, but the other, the <laughs> other the other way to spiral that too is like, the way to almost the more not normal you are, the better you fit in. Like it's almost like yeah, just being yourself makes others. Accept you better, and then you become a thing. You you become a part of the normal by not being normal. Yes. So it's, yes. It, it, it's, <laughs> it, you become. It, it's actually normal for not being normal. There you go. Yep. Which is it's confusing. It's normal. It's completely, perfectly normal for not being normal. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know so that was the book. That was a long um completion letter of completion. Um, what I what I now emphasize is that you don't have to be normal. You can actually be extraordinary.、Mm-hmm. And can you? Are you brave enough to step into your extraordinary self? That's that's the next level, right? Is、mm-hmm. that yeah?、Mm-hmm. So speaking of which, let me see it. All right, cool. We got plenty.、Um, what I wanted to ask you. Because you mentioned wanting to write another book, and being that you've recently come into a new a new chapter, what what how what's the what's the what's the latest dream? What do you now that you've tapped into what you can bring to the world?、Mm-hmm. What, how do you what are you aiming for? I'm aiming for so I have this mission. I have、mm-hmm. this dream,、mm-hmm. and it's a big dream. I'm working. I know I'm working towards that,、um, just like the fact that the people I meet. So my ultimate dream, even before I started this whole company and coaching and seminar and speaking, is that I want to serve the people in the refugee camp.、Mm. And and where that refugee camp is, it's going to be in the Middle East. It's going to be in Gaza. And why do I want that? It was because. I remember watching a film. I can't remember. <laughs> This is going、it's、back to the film. I remember watching a film. It was a documentary about the people, who's、um, or the children who are being affected by war,、mm-hmm. and we don't realize that all these conflict that's going on around the world. What is really leading to is the the children. Our fallen generation and the generation after that, were stripping their right to have education. Right, we are fortunate group because we got the we got to education. We know something. We wake up to our 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 consciousness because we have that knowledge. We're able to go through this life journey. But all these children could face is that instability. Right, there's they used to have a roof over their house. No longer there.、Mm-hmm. They can't even go to school, and so my dream before I started all this was I want to open a nonprofit school to benefit those children in the refugee camp. I want to give them the education, 
and how do you how do you serve others so that they can they can serve themselves there's a there's a analogy right about the fishermen right, right? I was thinking that. Mm -hmm. how do you how do you teach how do you um um show someone you, you you give the fishermen the skills to fish so that that fisherman can fish themselves mm -hmm. right yeah. so same thing same idea applied to the children you got to give them the knowledge so that they can rebuild their country and that's how we stop the refugee, the whole issue on the refugee and the migration and, and people being displayed. That's how we resolve the issue. We don't resolve the issue by creating walls and building, building more weapons and having more crimes and more conflict. We build it by giving them the opportunity that they deserve as human beings. And so that is my, my dream. And along this journey, I've been meeting people, filmmakers. <laughs> I've been meeting people who share the same vision, mm -hmm. who share, share that same vision of using our talent and using our strength and making this world works for everybody. Mm. And that is my ultimate dream. That's, that's no, my vision. Great. And, yeah. and all the coaches and all the teachers that I have met so far, they're going to be my teachers to the, to the mm -hmm. teaching the children at my, at my school. Nice. So nice. the nonprofit has a lot to do with you know leading to that. Um, my coaching skills has a lot leading to that, and um, having that vision, having that idea. The the following year, I I mentioned about I I went to Cambodia. So the reason why I went to Cambodia, it was not a pleasure trip. It's not something that I just go and travel. Um, I went there to volunteer. So I was teaching uh, children English. How ironic, right? <laughs> Someone who didn't speak English no, at all. Very cool. So I went there and I taught them English, and I met a lot of um, kids. They're beautiful, amazing kids, and they have so much potential mm -hmm. um, if we give give it to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. When you mention education, no, I mean uh, you uh, uh, educating people. I I definitely agree that that is it's getting ahead of the issues right instead of trying to band-aid later on down the road it's like getting to the forefront mm -hmm. and it's it's a, it's a investment way down the road too that many people don't think about which it's good that you're thinking about it because i think about like i say like covid right now quarantine and how all the like i'm 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 feeling blessed that i grew up not during this time mm -hmm. and i had a normal uh, public school education where I got to be in person and have a teacher and mm -hmm. I'm thinking about because we, we always hear about um, the the underfunding of education just in the states in general mm -hmm. and now even like parents are having to teach their own kids like yeah. this year like or, or even having access to the virtual classroom like yesterday yeah. I was listening to the radio right mm -hmm. and they were talking about just the um, LA LA um, School of uh, Education, they estimated there's 80% of the children who have no access to the virtual classroom. And what they end up doing is they have to, um, their parents either spend extra money to purchase a, a mobile device for them so that they can attend to their class, or they're using their personal cell phones to attend those um, classrooms. And a lot of these underprivileged uh, populations that they don't have that privilege of sending each kid a, a, a mobile device. Yeah. So it would be one person. You, we pick one person out of the whole family that you get to use my 
cell phones you go to class today, right? So, so there is that in inequality just within the state that we're not we're not really focusing on, yeah. um, and it's really important for us to look at because it's impacting in us so many different ways, all tied in together. They're all interrelated. Yeah. No, I think I saw uh, there was some photo that went viral. I don't know if you saw it. It was two kids on their laptop sitting outside like a Taco Bell or something. Mm -hmm. Did you see that mm -hmm. one? Yep. And some celebrities kind of came out and helped like do it. They funded that specific family so that those kids can have access to the internet. But it's like, all right, that's one, you know, mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it brings, at least it brings to light the issue. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was interesting. But yeah, education is like everything. I don't know how. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big advocate for education. Mm -hmm. I believe knowledge and education is how we change the world mm -hmm. knowledge is power it's, knowledge it's, uh... is power because you know if you don't if you don't know you don't know what you don't know mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's scary stuff <laughs> no, like, no <laughs> there's I... always a positive out of it no, right? <laughs> no for sure because i just read because i've been i've been reading more as of as of uh like last november mm -hmm. and i read uh, i don't know if you're I read 1984 recently. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> and, a great book. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, just seeing, seeing our world. And Very different. Yeah. Yes. It's like the lack of, the control of information is, is, a, is a power tool for sure. Mm -hmm. So. Yep. And we can use it to our advantage. Yeah. And, and I think just depending on how you want to use it, and it goes back to, again, that, that level of consciousness, how you want to use the information that's available to you. Did you have, I, I guess, we have about 30 minutes left. Any, any topics we haven't covered that you'd, you'd be curious to explore more or talk about? Or, I don't know, I'm a little, I'm a little curious of your time as a working in pharmacy and, and that kind of stuff. I don't know. But, but I'm open to, to going... I'm I'm an open book, like I said. So so tell me about this curiosity about pharmacy world. <laughs> I don't I don't know much about it at all. Mm. So like, you mentioned you got into it. Yeah. So it was something that makes sense. So when I graduated from college, I was a science major. I was a biochem and chemistry major, and so going into pharmacy was something that makes sense for mm -hmm. for me in life. Yeah. Uh, just like a. A, uh, economic major, you go into something that has to do with finance or business mm -hmm. world, right? So for me, a pharmacy was something that made sense. And that's what my parents want me to do. Okay. Because they felt that, you know, physically you're disabled, so we need you to make sure that you can actually sustain yourself and make a living out of this in, in case we're not here anymore. Who's mm -hmm. going to take care of you? And so I said, okay, so even though for the longest time I always wanted to be an artist, so I do painting, mm, I paint, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I do photography, um, and so I'm, I always had that creative side of me, and yeah. I thought I would be an artist, but no, because um, my mom said, how are you going to survive being an artist? <laughs> it's true, it's, it's a true thought. And not to mention that you're, you're disabled, mm -hmm. and, and they're not shy about pointing it out, you know, what are my physical capabilities, yeah. um, but they would just say, here, go figure it out. And so I went into pharmacy, and, and it was not something that I wanted, but I kind of just stick to it because it was easy. Yeah, you figured 
and I have all the credit. I can just transfer all these college credits to to pharmacy, and it's I don't have to do any extra. So it was easy. Yeah, I covered those bases where you're like, okay, there's money here. My parents are happy. I can do it, and I could probably be good at it. Is probably where those all fuck. Yeah, because I, exactly. I, I was the same way before I, I committed fully into the the art stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So it was just but. easy, and I thought I was gonna do this for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And right before I started this whole personal transformational journey, I was. Looking into, okay, so I can function in a pharmacy because there's a lot of walking um, mm. where I was. I was doing um, op- working in the operating room. So it was about delivering drugs, making stuff, a lot of physical activity. And I don't imagine myself being able to do that when I'm getting older. And I don't anticipate myself being retired at age 50. Yeah, so, yeah. so I need to think of the long run. I start looking into, well, maybe I can apply for a management position and, and just be sitting behind the desk. So I look into it and I actually apply um, management position. But during that time, I uh, one of my friends, she was my best friend, and mm-hmm. I had talked about it um, in, my, in my book. She was my best friend, and she changed her mind. She wasn't going to um, submit her application, but she ended up changing her mind, submitting the application, and I took it as, oh, so now because I want it, now you yeah, want yeah, it too. Yeah. So there's that sense of competition uh-huh. in there, and it turns out that you know that friendship didn't didn't work out, mm-hmm. which I was really sad about it. Um, but it is what it is, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but I didn't get the position, mm-hmm. and she got it. Shucks. It's kind of like the classical, the, you know I like that boy? Why are you hanging out with him now? You know I like him. <laughs> How dare you? You're not my friend anymore. It, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As childish as it sounds, that, that was my, no, my thinking and my emotion. And it was that jealousy of you got it and I didn't. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with me? And it also kind of play into other aspects of my life at that time that led to this journey of wanting to do something about me and recognizing who I am. So I didn't get that position. And of course, I end up, you know, being she being my supervisor now. Um, that was not something that was easy to cope with because suddenly your best friend become your supervisor and, and where are you? Yeah. So there's a lot of um, clash. Yeah, it's a weird dynamic for sure. Very weird. And she she's asking, she's looking for my support. She's a very strong person. And I give her a lot of credit for that. She's a very strong person. She knows exactly what she wants. Um, but because of that, mm-hmm. I, I saw that as you were picking on me. Like There's a lot of times where I felt I was being the target. I felt like all the decisions that she was making, the comments, the sarcastic comment that she was making, it was all towards me. Yeah. Um, so it, I was not happy. I was not happy. I was not motivated. And let alone, you know, my, my other aspects of personal journey, I was just not in a good place. Mm-hmm. So I started looking to, is pharmacy really something that I want to do for the rest of my life? Is this what I wanted? And I... I Found out yeah, that no, yeah, no, this is not something that I wanted. It, it definitely sustained. I definitely bring income for me. You know, it's a steady income. It's a great position. Yeah. Um, I go in and and I work twelve hours and rest of the time I have it all to myself. 
and you know, in the past, it's the same amount of time that I had in the past and I have now. But I never look at it as what can I use these time and do something productive for myself. Um, so then I look into um, coaching. I came across coaching, and I love that idea of being able to inspire someone and just sitting there and. The best thing I, I love about coaching is that you can have that one-on-one -on -one moment and you, it was something about what you said or the question that you had asked, it, it caused that person to take a moment and say, ah, aha, and it's that aha moment that I truly enjoy. And you can see their facial expression, how they changes, and, and you can hear, processing up there there's you. a light that light up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like a very comic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just light up in them, and they know the answer. Uh -huh. Like they know what to do for their next step, and that's what I truly enjoy for being there and just sitting with them. And and a lot of time I do it by phone, so I don't even do it uh -huh. by by in person. And there's so much like video chat phone or just no voice? just voice. Uh -huh. There's so much information that you can get from just hearing the other person's voice. Is that person shy? Is that person open? Mm -hmm. And I have this amazing gift. <laughs> I'm not shy about calling it out. <laughs> I have this amazing gift sure, of, like of making people vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So there are times where I could be in the airport and waiting for waiting for the um, the the my my flight, and I would be talking to a stranger like sitting next to me, and that stranger. After a couple of exchange and sentences and about life, that person will always cry. <laughs> You're making people cry over I, here. Okay. Yeah, I always make people cry. And and I didn't see yeah. that as a gift. And later on I saw that as a gift because you know, for someone to sit there talking to a stranger uh -huh. and being truly open and sharing how they're feeling, what struggle they're going through. That is a gift. Well, it's I think okay, yeah. Cause I here's here's my interpretation of that. I feel, and you could tell me if you feel the same way, that authenticity breeds authenticity. So you being yourself and being open with somebody else, they can feel that, and their walls come down, and and like they, they're not used to that because everybody else around them isn't you with your authentic self. So it. It creates the environment of, of I. It's safe for me to, and then, and being being that people aren't used to it, they just like crumble and cry <laughs> because it's a new thing. I, new I in in a way yes, but I, what I would disagree mm. is that is that mm. authenticity. When authenticity, so authenticity is contagious. Okay. When you are authentic and you show up being genuine and being vulnerable and open up yourself to another person. That would influence the other person to open up to you. That person right, may yeah, create yeah. a lot of walls. So, so I I think it's that like energy attracts like energy. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So I agree. I think that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what what I heard was uh, uh, that you both have to be authentic. Oh no, right? no! I try to say you're. I said authentic. Authenticity breeds authenticity. Yeah. So you. You being authentic opens up the door to them. Hey, whatever. I think we're on the same page. We're on the same page. <laughs> okay, great. I was, I was hoping for a disagreement there. But, uh, I, think, I think we're on the same page. I'm going to say yes. Yes. <laughs>
Um, okay. Yeah. No, that's it's definitely a, a useful skill for for that. Yeah. For what yeah. I, I'm. I'm. I would say I'm pretty talented in that space. I, mm -hmm. I make people cry all the time. So I truly. <laughs> I truly enjoy talking and speaking with people and, mm -hmm. and just really understanding, you know, what is it that I can do for them. And and a lot of time, you know, I wouldn't be in a in a coaching session. I would be just having a random conversation and there's just something that I share, it touches them. Mm -hmm. And it makes them wanted to get up and, and start to do something that yeah, they yeah. have never done before. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm just thinking about crying in general. Is good. Crying is good, right? Yeah, it's like crying is good. It's an emotion that's not as tapped as other emotions, where we don't really we push it down a lot, we mm -hmm. hide it, and then but sometimes you just gotta feel it and let it out, you know. Cry crying is a way of releasing our energy, mm -hmm. and and I believe that everything is energy, like the things that we touch. Right? Everything mm -hmm. is energy. It's a very Einstein way of looking at things. Every molecules and yeah, nuclear, yeah. it's all energy. So you and I here, we're being here. Our physical body is an energy. Our emotion is an energy. So there's nothing good or bad about the energy itself. It's again, it's about how we perceive and how we interpret these energy that we hold inside of us that determines how we're going to behave and operate in this world. So crying itself is actually a release of that energy. Mm -hmm. That energy can be bad and that energy could be good. There's tea of joy, there's tea of sadness, right? So regardless which form it is, it's a release of energy. And, and if someone is crying um, when they are inspired, that was completely appropriate for that moment because that's what needs to come out that's mm -hmm. what needs to be released mm -hmm. and same thing with words there there are times where i blunt out something because it that those are the words that need to be heard right yeah yeah so speak your mind <laughs> speak your mind feel your feelings um yeah i'm i'm not sure where to take it but uh <laughs> I'm thinking about, I don't know, I'm thinking about people that, okay, how, negative self-talk, I'm not, I'm not sure, okay, I don't, I don't want to rehash the same topics, but like, where, I don't know how people, how do people get from the stage of thinking there's something wrong with them to wanting help? Like, what is, because mm -hmm. that's, that's the biggest, how, how that's do you the get to the hurdle. next step yeah, kind of things? Yeah, so their stepwise process, being aware is your step number one. Mm -hmm. Being aware of something is not working, what is wrong with me, or something is, is going against me, the force. Um, so being aware, awareness is step number one, or being mindful. Right. Um, once you get to awareness, your next step is acceptance. Yeah. Acceptance is where you realize something is not working. What is not working? And what is it that you're trying to fight? What is it that you are resisting? And we're, we're changing every single day. So if you're resisting something, that means you're trying to hold on 
to a fact that you cannot change. You're trying to control the uncon uncontrollable, right? So accepting that the only thing that you have control is yourself and how you show up right, in this world, right. right? So that's acceptance. And once you get to acceptance, so the next question would be, what is it that you need to connect with? Yeah. Because I, 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 my assumption is that the most, most of the people that you interact with, I feel like people are in a, are, are in a stage where they're having issues breaking through to the next stage where they know they know they want to be a certain thing. They maybe don't know why, and that's kind of maybe where you come in. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm. Most people I interact with, they they're on their third stage. They already realize okay, yeah, yeah. they already realize that something is not working, but they haven't quite accept or let go mm -hmm. of what is not working. They're still trying to control the the things that they cannot control. So they're lingering between that stage where they're they're focusing on the acceptance. Okay, I can't change, but what can I do about it? Right. So your 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 next stage, like I said, is about connection. It's also about taking responsibilities. When you start taking responsibility, you start looking into what is it that I can do this moment to, to get myself to have a change? And so those are the type of um, population that people I'm working with is that they already realize that there's that acceptance, there's that awareness, and now they're taking their responsibility yeah. in changing, in creating that change. But how do you get to it? So how do you get to it is through practice. You don't, you know, yeah. I can't, I can't sit you down in a session and go through that, that whole concept of being authentic, being brave and yeah, yeah, having yeah, that yeah, connection yeah. without you actually wanting to carry it into your mm -hmm. everyday practice. Mm -hmm. And, and in order to take it into practice, it's a big struggle for a lot of people because that commitment that we're talking about, right? So, so in order to commit to being authentic. Yeah. Cause I mean, the risk, the risk that I see is there's a chance that they aren't the person they want to be is is the is the risk there because i i just had a there was an interaction that i kind of witnessed um maybe what's today friday today is friday so just a couple of days ago where we're having like a, a group hangout and and one of the one of the people spoke up at some point with like these existential thoughts about like i don't know if like I want to be an actor anymore, like mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm happy doing what I want. If this is what I even want to do, and they're like, but I mean, but they're like, but don't don't listen to me. Like I'm just I'm just being crazy. I'm, I'll get over it. I'll get past this. Mm -hmm. And someone else was like, yeah, yeah, it'll it's just a phase. You'll like just keep, you'll get through it. And then I'm thinking, maybe what you're feeling is actually the answer, and you you maybe you don't want to be an actor anymore. So don't shy away from those feelings. Mm -hmm. They're real. Did you tell him that? Yeah, I, I, okay, I, mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned it. But there's still like the self-doubt of maybe my feelings are wrong. Yes. <laughs> Which is, yeah, I don't... So a lot of people who started to awaken to that higher level of thinking or higher level of consciousness, they start to doubt themselves for mm -hmm. having them. Like they start waking up to, well, maybe this is not really something that I want. But they doubted themselves for having that idea of, you know, maybe this is not something that I want. Um, how you recognize it is that you look at your values, you look at your why, 
right? Mm-hmm. Why did you even first start it? What was your reason for being an actor? What did it, what did you hope to have in your life by being an actor? Maybe you want to entertain others. Maybe you want to make money, which is great. But what was your why? Why did you even start it? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so looking into when, you, whenever people have that doubt, I always ask them like, so, so how hard is what you're feeling now aligned or not in alignment with the value that you have? Mm-hmm. And for me, that ABC was my values. But for someone else, maybe it's integrity. Maybe it's in honesty. Maybe it's that family. If any one of those values is yeah. out of alignment, so it makes perfect sense why maybe I don't want to be. An actor anymore because actor is not allowing me to exercise my value to bring mm-hmm. out my value, and here I am in a group. Maybe I want to be with my family, so I don't want to be a veteran yeah, yeah, actor yeah. anymore. Yeah, because then, because then, some sometimes what what I see people doing too is uh, they they have the classic thought of well maybe maybe if I do this next thing like make this short film. And I act in it like that'll that'll reach <laughs> like that'll fix it. I'll be happy. <laughs> we're, we're hoping for the next best thing, and and it's a it's a very it's a perfectly yeah. normal <laughs> yeah. no, to be no, that sure. way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because we're always hoping for the next thing, and that would bring us something, and that would satisfy us. But we never took the time to really truly understand what is it that we're truly looking for. So a lot of time, what you what you want is not what you need. Right. Yeah. What we want in our life is that stability, is that life fulfillment, that enjoyment and and happiness and being purposeful. But what we need it is a roof over our house, over our head, and it's a family that we can go home to. Those are the things that we we need. But the the outcome of it yeah. is that joy and happiness behind it. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to, we'll close out, one thing that just came to my mind that I, I guess I'll just ask you about, because you've, you've traveled, mm-hmm. is what, what do you, what's the value of, of travel for you? Like, when you, when you mentioned the goal of the seven wonders, the ancient wonders, why? Connection. <laughs> Right. Oh, connection. Okay, yeah. So it's a connection because I love meeting meeting people. Mm-hmm. I love having conversations because you learn so much about the other person mm-hmm. and also about another culture. And so when I travel, I love to speak to people. And when I speak to people, I ask their stories. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big storyteller. <laughs> I'm a big uh, storyteller yeah, yeah. because Dude, I think we interact through our storytelling. You had a story, I had a story, and somewhere in, in our story, there's something, there's element that collide with each other, and that's how we can relate to each other, even though we may not speak the same language, but there are stories and elements in our story that, that is similarity. Mm-hmm. And so I love traveling because it gives me opportunity to meet other people, to learn another culture, mm-hmm. to speak another language. So now I know how to speak uh, Buenos Dias. <laughs> Buenos Dias. <laughs> as simple as Buenos Dias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're seeking, so you're, all right, so you enjoy the connection aspect of it. Is it, is it, is it only the people or do you also, the connection with the, the space too? Like do you, 
everything yeah. everything the whole package because so so a couple of years ago i went to new zealand and okay. i went to uh queens queensland and you look around that's a great place where people a lot of adventures you know bungee jumping skydiving and yeah. there's also uh, ice skating but you look around you there's mountain there's landscape and there you are standing among huge mountain uh -huh. landscape uh -huh. And what do you realize? You realize... You're tiny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how tiny you are, how insignificant the problem that you have in your hand. Mm -hmm. That's how insignificant it is. I, I, I love drawing, um, so I do a lot of doodling uh, on my free time. Mm -hmm. And one of the doodle that I, I drew was, uh, there's a big circle, and there's a little tiny dot on the side. Mm -hmm. So your big circle is the world, oh. the universe, and that little tiny dot is me. That's you. And I, I was, I remember I was, uh, I did that when I was going through some very troubling time, and I drew a, a dialogue box. I said, "Help." Okay. Yeah. 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 Because it's lonely. <laughs> it was lonely. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, yeah, because for me, I, I struggle with travel, like. I, I know sometimes I get pessimistic about travel, like, so what if I hike this certain mountain? I've hiked mountains <laughs> before, but like Machu Picchu sounds awesome, because that's not just a mountain. Like, I, I enjoy the history, like, I... You'll love it. Yeah. Yeah, so, there's so much history in the Cusco. Because uh, I, once, I, I got, I was like a photographer on this one trip to, where we took a, 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 some Native, Native American veterans mm -hmm. to Washington, D.C. to like tour the, all the landmarks and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's history here. But yeah. I'm like, it's just American history. Yeah. There's like not much American history. So I was trying to fathom being in those other places like mm -hmm. Egypt and stuff. Like, I can't imagine seeing the pyramids. Like that would probably blow my mind. So yeah. I, I have a, a love-hate with travel. I'm like... And I go, what am I going to do? Because I'm so productive-minded that I'm just like, I've got my, I've got my goal. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how you com combat that with, with the goals that you want to do. But like, when stuff sidetracks me from, from, from my, my, what's it called? The, the tunnel vision. vision. The vision. <laughs> my tunnel vision. So, so goals are just mile markers. Yeah. They're, they're mile markers yeah, along the sure. way, right? So how you get there, it's not, it, it's, it's a process. It's yeah. a journey. So, so we keep going to reaching our mile markers through our journey. So, so every time you have a goal, that, that is not a goal, it's not your journey. Yeah, yeah. So you're not too worried about when the goal is accomplished. Yep. As long as it's still as there. As it's there. Okay, yeah, that's a good way of seeing it. Mm. I like it. I, need, I just got to figure out where I want to go next and what I'm going to do. Peru. <laughs> Machu Picchu. <laughs> Peru. He's going to go to Machu Picchu. <laughs> going to Machu Picchu. And then it's decided. <laughs> yeah, that's already decided. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds awesome. Um, but I guess, I guess, I think we're good. I will leave it at that. Okay. Um, unless you have any final thoughts on on anything else. But thanks for thanks for talking to me about perfectly normal and all of your stuff. I uh, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty more that I actually could dig into with. Because I guess the the, mo the most interesting thing for me is is I like knowing 
that we have different backgrounds and stuff. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, we're, we're different people. It's always, it always frustrates me when I'm talking to somebody who's like, oh, we've done all the same stuff, and you look like me, and this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, too samey is not fun. Mm -hmm. So, I, And I love, I love the fact that um, this is also tied, tied back to the traveling part. There, there are so mm -hmm. many people I meet, they're so different from mm -hmm. me, and, and I'm just very different physically no. right there's no no doubt about that and and when i start talking to people i realize that there's so much of the same quality that we mm -hmm. all have mm -hmm. right so so the fact that we see beauty is because we already are beautiful in yeah. our heart yeah no yeah that that's one of my frustrations with with our planet actually is uh the borders thing yeah it creates the uh i don't like the team aspect of you see people differently almost by default because of whatever reasons when we're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and and it's I just feel, weird. again, I'm very optimistic about that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people are waking up to it and they're realizing that, you know, your feeling is the same as the way I feel about happiness, about sadness, and about our journey, you know, whether it's tragic or whether it's something that's very challenging. We all been there, done that, and it was the same hero that you have mm -hmm. is inside mm -hmm. of me. Mm -hmm. And on that, thanks again for, for being on. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Bye. <laughs>